This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Porter. We have Rich Lotta. What's going on, man? Chilling, man. I came here to keep it a lot realer than Aaron Rodgers this week. Oh, man. <sighs> Do we need to talk about them passing? Um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, go ahead and stop lying to the public. Um, everybody that participated in this lie, uh, y'all deserve the same scorn. Uh, that goes for the Packers. That goes for the league. That goes for the media that just turned their heads the other way. That somehow couldn't realize that. Shouts out to Michael Smith who peeped it from the beginning when you know uh, Aaron Rodgers out here talking about yeah I'm immunized. It's so weird. Like I think a lot of it is because of um, his family situation, and we all think of his family members as villains, like and all that kind of stuff. That like, and he doesn't really talk much. He's private. And like he di- and he's dated a number of of uh, actresses that we think that we know what his political views are or whatever else. Even though like when people right. kind of think that if you are one way, that means you think of everything like in line with your polit- with the political you know left or right. <clears throat> and it's like nah, <laughs> nah. Like do you know how many bl- you know how many black people would be would vote conservative if they weren't so racist in that party? Like do you understand? Are you out of your mind? So yeah, um, he uh, he 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 tried to scam some people on that one, and it's like, nah, bro. So like, I don't know what kind of hammer comes down on on him and the Packers, but um, somebody has to uh, get a pound of flesh out of that. Someone's got to answer. Yeah, but, yeah. I'll leave it there, but uh, yeah, we are on the Twitch. Uh, we got a lot of people in the chat to begin the show. Um, for oh, for the record, he's worse than Kyrie. Oh, definitely, he's worse yeah. than Kyrie. Yeah, just because Kyrie people like, was out here because people were like, you know, what did you say? You had all this fun for Kyrie or Aaron Rodgers? What did you say? I say what he did was worse. Like at least when it came to like uh, Kyrie, he's like he's willing to sit out behind that goofiness. And now, granted, like I think it's goofy, but at least like. He's on a on some GP shit for him, so he's like, "I'll I'll sit out. That's fine. I'll withdraw. I'll, I'll sit out and waste and not get 
35 million dollars it was just like mind-boggling with me that's him but at least his dumb ass willing to do that kind of thing right yeah, aaron Rodgers is he wants the luxury of living like everybody else while not following the rules he wants the know? money and he wants to hide unbelievable who, who would have thought Kirk cousins would be more honorable than aaron Rodgers? yikes um yeah but we're live on the twitch uh, if you guys see me i am rocking the official one nation radio shirt you guys can get from pro wrestling tees dot net or whatever dot com not sure get you one see the little pyramid on there all that um <laughs> someone in the comments <laughs> not kurt cousins anybody but that guy <laughs> Zudamod. yeah um but yeah we might as well get to it we know what the people came here for james um yeah, let's let, let's do it. Yeah, so I've gotten full list of releases. So like, so, I mean, we can. So the full background is that on Friday, um, WWE had their uh, quarterly earnings report uh, uh, over their their stock stuff, and they they noted there's like forty something million dollars in profit this quarter. This quarter, forty million dollars in profit, and then promptly hours later, like four or five hours later. Um, Sean Ross Sapp is just giving, just dropping like a list of like, uh, damn near twenty people or about twenty people, uh, released that were talent. Um, there was also a bunch of firings, um, releases on the um, the corporate side of of the company. Uh, mm-hmm. but obviously we don't know those people, but like I heard there were, there were people in management that were like people that have been with the company for like 15 years that were just handed their box told fuck off. Um, right. there's a consolidation between branding and marketing right now and the way people are trimming their fat. There have been people that are speculated and this is going in line with what people have talked about with these layoffs, even, even in the face of profits that like it to a lot of people, if there's any other company, they would say, this looks like a company that is in their books in order to try to sell, sell the company. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> along with that, uh, were the talent, um, on screen talent that we know of, like Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Nia Jax, Frankie Monet, uh, Jessica Maya, um, Lindsay Dorado, um, Grand Metalik, um, let's see, Oni Lorkin, um, I there was a, a number Eva of Marie, people. Eva Marie, uh, Ember Moon, Mia Yim, yes. Harry Smith, Scarlet, B-Fab of Hit Row, yeah. Katrina Cortez, uh, Trey Baxter, who uh, goes by Blake Christian, Grand Metalik, Jeet Rama, Zayda Ramirez, and uh, Lince Dorado, the legend, who got himself very over this weekend on Twitter, perhaps more over than any time he's been in the last five years. Yeah, man, so... The ones so that are most, it, so the ones that are most like shocking to me, the four to come to mind off the top of my head. Uh, there's Keith Lee, there's Karrion Cross, there's Nia Jax, and there's B Fab. Um, B Fab is the most shocking because they just brought them up to the main roster less than a month ago, yes. and their whole gimmick is that they that there are a rat pack of four people rapping. What the fuck are they doing? And they just signed her, and she just signed a, a main roster deal like a week ago, apparently. I got personal confirmation on that. Uh, I So, transparency, you guys know I'm friends with Swerve. Um, I had spent last Tuesday with him after the show we did last week. I was in the studio doing a song for Montezzi's album that has Top Doll on it, that has Swerve and myself featured on it. After the studio session, I talked with Swerve for about three hours and he just, you know, was over the moon pretty much about new opportunity he has. And um, he talked to me about them signing 
um, you know, the deals like, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But it was just like, you know, I, I couldn't have seen this coming. Like, I, I don't know if he saw it coming, but um, it was, it was, it was really sad to see because like, I look at B fab, right. And we used to see her doing security. There's another, another story about a Largo loop on yeah. a Largo loop. Um, and COVID once again, coming back to, um, uh, bear its ugly fruits because there's not the shows that they used to have to develop these people. So they can yep. get these matches. Uh, she goes on TV, has that rough, no disqualification rules match, uh, with Alessia Lopez. Um, they have, uh, her basically don't do anything else. So she's like, everything she's learning is away from the camera, the away from everyone can see it. Um, they go to the main roster. She has tons of presence, tons of charisma, uh, an incredible promo, you know, just for just, you know, seeing like how she handles herself on the microphone. And then they're like, yo, we ain't got no, no use for you. And it's like, I know a lot of people were, were on top dollar's head, like about some of the tweets he made, Ashante, Adonis bring that stuff up, but there's no way that you can like see that kind of thing coming. Uh, I think kind of banging on top dollar for that is kind of corny because like it's it's there's, corny there's, for, it's corny because it's like you're 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 literally cheering that someone got fired. Right? right? <clears throat> like them buck them bucking back at like one, it was weird for me to see the reaction that they were, you know, like swerving um and um Ashanti like saying that the stuff that was sent to them as far as saying that like people thought they were boring or whatever. I'm just like, if I don't, I don't want to know these people, <laughs> like quite frankly, if they think that, uh, you know, they're boring, but, um, so I thought that like, maybe they're being, you know, hyper sensitive to any criticism. That's, that's a little bit that's on the internet, but it's the internet. So of course it's going to be some, um, but when people start bucking back at them, as far as say they'll be broke up in two weeks, or whatever It's like, I mean, like, can y'all be less, I feel like the internet's being jerks, but like the internet's always a jerk. And this time they were, they were jerks to uh, those guys. Yeah. Um, and then BFAB gone totally changes the dynamic that they had. And it just, uh, it, it takes a lot of wind out of the sails. I think the coolness that the group had, uh, and this, you know, falls in line with other acts that have come from NXT that have had a woman involved. Um, you can look at uh, Enzo and Cassie and a split from Carmella. You can look at, um sanity with mm-hmm. Nikki Cross uh and, and it just just doesn't there's a disconnect somewhere so I don't know like I hope BFAB can like if she wants to stick with wrestling even uh she can get in a gym with someone that can like actually like develop her because I think she couldn't be a star yeah I mean I was on <clears throat> uh imps uh dynamite review show last Wednesday and I was and we were talking about Jade Cargill, and we were talking about like, look, man, she is a star. She just has to learn how to wrestle. Like mm-hmm. all the, just learn how to wrestle. Um, Brianna Brandy, um, you talked about the security uh, stuff she was doing. Um, when I went to Jacksonville for the all women's uh, uh, house show in the, in the two thousand, like December two thousand nineteen, uh, they had like EO and Shayna and Rhea there. Um, she was in a match. I think she was tagging with Ty Conti. Or uh-huh. Tainara Conti at the time. Um, and, like, she stuck out then. So it's like, yeah. Like, you throw in the what you see with... Um, what you've seen with 
hit row. And it's like, yeah, like she has, she clearly has a, um, a lot of charisma, um, clearly is gifted with, and with presence and all that kind of stuff. And like, if the, if the wrestling comes, the wrestling comes, but like, this is somebody that should be on someone's TV screen. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate and it's honestly baffling that like this happened. Like, how do you, why in the fuck would you bring up? And this, you know, it makes you think like when all them years we were like, all right, like when they're going to press that button and bring up the undisputed and hey, let them be like the special faction. Cause they keep factions. Um, you know, like you had Nexus, you had the shield. We haven't really had a faction just come up together and be special because they're the, f- the only faction we've seen in a long time and they overrun each other. And obviously because of their size, Vince ain't going to push none of them without like the collective. And it's like, this was potentially them. This potentially was their chance to get that spot because undisputed, it didn't happen, right? Cole's in AEW, Fish is in AEW. Um, and like they squandered another opportunity. They squandered another opportunity. Yeah, uh, we're we're getting a lot of comments uh, in in the, in the uh, chat. Like, if you guys have direct questions, I'll, I'll read those off. But uh, just keep your comments rolling. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I want to get to Keith Lee. Uh, I think we've yeah, made yeah, people, sure. people wait yeah, long sure, enough. Sure. Um, Keith Lee, I feel like they categorically misunderstood him from the moment he walked in. Uh, it even took him the main a while roster to, or NXT both. Okay, um, so even in NXT. Uh, it took him like a year to even get anything rolling. Uh, I remember attending shows where he was doing jobs for Lars Sullivan. Now, mind you, it's a lot different attending a house show, but yeah. the house shows will sometimes tell you about the positioning of people. And when I saw that him doing clean jobs to Lars Sullivan, when he came in, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like I was thrown off immediately. And then I believe he did. He may have lost to Lars on NXT TV as well. Before. On the way on, on Lars's way up. Cause they were going to give him this monster push before he, uh, screwed it up from his past and all this other stuff and being a bigot yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, you know, Lee has his and the rest of his NXT career, which is perfectly fine. And, mm-hmm. you know, he honestly cut to- short. I guess they cut uh, it short. I mean, they cut it short because it was contract time. And I mean, that's what it is though. Like dudes ain't meant to stay there. Like, unless they're, you know, Johnny Gargano. No, but, but the, the whole thing was like, <laughs> all right, either be there a year or be there two years. Don't be there for like a year and change. And what they did with, and clearly, um, given a pattern what they fuck with uh triple h's or at the time triple h's belts and champions like it was like oh you just made the champion yeah he's coming up in a month fuck him make him drop the, make him drop the belt he, he just picked up so um yeah it's it's really unfortunate because especially because like you had um he had just finished the die jack stuff cross it came in um there was a time where you look at like the landscape of, of like the big men nxt where you had um you had Dijak, you had Cross, you had Walter that can come over, and you had Lee, and it's like, all right, you dudes from the thump for for a, a certain amount of time, right? And it's like, look at NXT, like they have the quote unquote big guys if it's all I was looking for. And apparently, he don't, he don't, he he can't even figure out how to make big guys work. Yeah, I, I think they were doing a lot of goofy stuff with his music. Uh, it took a while for his NXT music to actually kind of get to where um, it, it, it was supposed to be. Um, 
he ended up winning the North American title, had his series with, you know, Dijak. He was very dominant in. Um, he ends up, you know, actually unifying the belts, ending Adam Cole's uh, <coughs> 400 long, some odd day reign. Right. And then from there, everything got fucking weird. Uh, they had him just give away the North American title weeks later. Um, obviously, you know, they were in the middle of, you know, free fall, like, you know, going against AEW. So, like, the weird things that were happening with that belt made it look fucking weird. Then him and Cross have that god-awful match uh, in the ma- main event of the TakeOver 25. And I think that's house. Keith Lee's that's, – that's just it for him, if I'm not mistaken – he transitions to the call up pretty much immediately after that. And then from there, it all starts going to hell in a handbasket. Um, he- You're right. It was 20. Uh, was it 30? It had yeah. to be 30. Because 35 is that second Gargano and uh, Cole match. Yeah. So 30. So, 30. so Keith Lee gets up here. Um, they start programming him with Randy Orton to begin with. Keith Lee's entire gimmick is that he's bigger than these people and he does like amazing shit. <clears throat> so what do we do? We make him go he look up to Randy Orton. Oh, that's that's smart. Um, then they do this thing where they announce this match between them and uh, I'll never forget this because the group chat gave me a lot of hell at the time because I didn't like how it went down even though Keith Lee won the match. Um, it was it was like a five minute match where Keith Lee did nothing impressive and one out of nowhere with just his finish. And I was like, it doesn't feel right. Like something's something's off. It's not like they went 17 minutes and Keith Lee was clearly the better man. This was just some, hey, he caught him out of nowhere, shot him uh, bullshit. And from there, every week, something weird would happen with his entrance attire, with his music. Um him eventually getting into that pattern where he wasn't losing matches, but he wasn't winning them either. And from there, it was just like, it was all fucked up from the beginning and it kept being fucked up. Uh, and eventually they started beating him. And then you started getting these reports that Vince didn't think he could work. And then, um, <laughs> you have the reports about him going back to the performance center to tighten things up and they want him to wrestle more like a big man. Why would you sign Keith Lee and you don't want him to be Keith Lee? That's absolutely bullshit. And I can't wait until Keith Lee walks into, we'll get to it in a minute, but we're going to keep talking about, uh, everything else because <laughs> Keith Lee then, you know, goes through being a, a contender and I use that in quote quotations contender for the WWE championship. Uh, and they're, they're throwing him out there to lose to drew McIntyre and all this other stuff. And he's just kind of like, just hanging around. Right. Then unfortunately he gets sick with COVID and he disappears. And, you know, he was thinking to be maybe in the United States title picture around WrestleMania time, something like that. None of uh, it ever right happened. before, like he was supposed to be in the triple threat thing with Riddle and Sheamus at right. uh, whatever pay per view was right before WrestleMania. Right, and, and mind you, they've changed his music like three, four times. They changed all his ring gear. They've had him wear a singlet. They had him wearing. They, they had him in Samoa Joe trunks. Yes. They, they, they were just doing how many times did we have like visual proof on the screen that they don't like how this man looks like they're telling you the whole time. And 
beard, no beard, fresh face. Like it, it kept, they kept changing and working on things, and whatever else. And it's like, hey man, like y'all had a year with that dude. Like y'all didn't realize what. Like and this is this is like the thing when we always talk about it when um they all you know they would say that this man was watching or paying attention to NXT and it's like well apparently not fucking close enough it's like you throw in that stuff with what happened with Keith Lee with like when they had Bronson Reed and Karrion Cross both come in for for dark matches uh what a few months ago and it's like what the fuck are y'all watching one if y'all have weekly episodic television and these motherfuckers are on it and it's your product that y'all are that and it's your uh smaller um minor league system of it you know what the fuck this person looks like just by watching the tape why do y'all record all these dark all these uh house show loop things for for largo loop like we go to those shows in uh tampa or saint pete or um or largo and they would always record these things apparently no one's fucking watching these up up top because (laughs) otherwise what's the point of having to bring them in when they also have that plus the weekly television yeah um and then from there, like Keith Lee's missing in action and his Twitter's getting really weird. And then we find out uh, he was out to, I believe it was myocarditis. Well, and, uh, it's a speculation is that, but either way, it's heart swelling. Right. Uh, which is like a symptom of myocarditis. Yeah. Right. Um, and then that was like a side effect of uh, him having COVID. He comes back in his hometown. What's he do? A job immediately right. <laughs> in his hometown. Um, and then from there, like he's, you know, he's going 50 50 working dark matches. They're still trying to figure this thing out with them. Then the shoe fucking drops. We start hearing reports. Yeah, Keith Lee worked a dark match and they announced him as like Keith Bearcat Lee. I'm like, Bearcat? I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, and to me, it, it just sounded racist. Like, I just no context of, of anything. <laughs> I was like, racist. I was like, Bearcat, what, hold on, what? And then you started hearing, hearing the, the drones come out talking about, yeah, you know, uh, it ain't that bad. Why don't we give it a chance? You know, this is, this is, uh, you know, it's just a dark match. You know, it, it, it's just a nickname and all this other stuff. And I'm like, all right, let, whatever. Then, you start seeing the gear get changed. Um, and then <laughs> you start seeing the graphic. Keith Bearcat Lee claws his way to Raw next. You have these people bending over backwards uh, talking about this is a tribute to Bearcat Wright. How could you guys not know this? Uh, it's tweeting Wikipedia pages old ass pictures that they had to look up and never seen this man before plenty of cap going on on the internet um and i called it then as it was happening that a keith lee never mentioned this wwe never mentioned this this is uh a complete fabrication and something made up that people have done again to hurl their bodies in front of wwe when they know they're doing some dumb shit yeah, so then, yeah, the people started saying, like, yeah, it's in tribute. He, or he decided to do this in tribute. It's like, where do you hear this? <laughs> you imagine him saying this. You made this up. And, like, think about how many times, even if the, even if the word got out that, like, it was his idea. How many times we have to hear from people uh, when, when shit hits the fan, when WWE sits out the word and, like, hey, this was actually the talent's idea and we find out later from the talent no nah, absolutely not it was not my idea no it was not my idea to have my father 
on a fucking big big head uh uh life size uh cutout put on a fucking table. I did not want my dad Jim Neidhart to be put on a table for for the amusement and jokes after he just died. I've been with this company for like 15 fucking years. Floyd in the comments, Bearcat Wright died a year after I was born. That's how old he is. So I remember at the time, I I just asked a simple question on Twitter. I wasn't trying to, you know, you know, start anything yet. So uh, I was I was saying, hey, did Keith Lee like speak on this, like either in or out of storyline? I was fine with either. Right. Mm hmm. And then I actually got a reply from from Rob Naylor, who was involved in NXT back in the day, maybe the FCW stuff, it, you know, familiar with a lot of wrestlers, didn't know that, you know, had tabs on me, doesn't follow me or anything. He replied and he let me know that there's barely like any tape whatsoever on Bearcat Wright at all. And if there was like, you know, he, he he said he may have seen something before. And then I was like, that's interesting. I was like, if you happen to come across any, I'd love to see it. What are and basically when we were talking, the, the thing we didn't say was, what the fuck are these people talking about? Like, yeah. <laughs> as far as like everything that they seen from this dude and all this stuff. And immediately from there, I began calling it what it looked like. Oh, he went into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2017. Oh, so maybe a check was cut at that time to to the family to, you know, allow the name, you know, whatever name, image, image likeness, however you want to do that. I'm like, all right, they, they file it away for a rainy day. They don't understand Keith Lee. They reach in the fucking drawer, pull out Bearcat, put it on Keith Lee, and that's what it is. It's a WWE legacy IP at this point that. They just assigned to this black dude they didn't understand. And I don't understand how people didn't see this. <sighs> yeah, man. Like, I really don't like to go how far into how uh, Machiavellian uh, or how do I say this? Um, reckless WWE is when it comes to um, what they put on television. Um, but, like, I'm good with I'm good with you on saying uh, going as far as saying like yeah like they absolutely had nothing to do they had they didn't know what the hell they wanted to do with Keith Lee um, they had the the moments with him at Survivor Series 2019 <clears throat> they had the Royal Rumble 2020 with him um, and he got over huge and it's interesting because uh, there was a uh, WWE 24 uh, clip. Uh, that was circulating Twitter today that I saw where like he, <laughs> Keith Lee's in Gorilla presumably after one of those moments where like the crowd popped huge for him with either Roman Reigns or with Brock Lesnar and Vince is talking to him as if he's like you're you're next you're next I heard that crowd you your money look at you it, it's, it's go time right and like Keith Lee like leaves the conversation he's like I feel like I'm ready to deadlift 600 or 600 plus pounds right now. He Vince got me so hyped. Um and Vince's been doing that to wrestlers for 30, 40 years. Exactly. So, after he gets fired after um, <laughs> you know, af- like no seriously, like watching that clip after he's been re- re- just been fired and his and also his fiance has been fired um after not doing anything with her for a year and change. Um and to see that happen and to see that video, and it's like, this is why Vince, good. this this is the shit Vince has been doing for 40 years, like you said. Like, 
whether it was Jim Ross, whether it was Laurinaitis, whether it's been Pritchard, whether it's been Cornette, whether it's been uh, Ross, whether it's been Laurinaitis, whether it's been whoever else been in the in the um the hiring that department or whatever Ace. else. Yeah, like every, every Vince loves everybody un, until he sends his lieutenant or Vin, or Hunter or whoever else to go fire them, and then everyone's mad at the lieutenants and not the person that's cutting the fucking checks to these people. He's a fucking mob boss. He got y'all offed. What don't? Why is it so hard to understand this? And I don't mean that in no bad way. Like that's how you're supposed to move. But people keep falling for this for forty something years. He been sticking knives in backs for forty years doing this shit. Yeah, um, and then you know Keith Lee's squashing the ninja like dressed uh, Akira Tozawa. Right. Completely changes wrestling style. Random heel turn. Random heel turn. Wearing a Beijing now uh, yeah. on the hair. Um, snarling. Being this person that we don't recognize Keith Lee as. Um, wrestling a complete big man style. Like the real problem was they didn't want Keith Lee to be Keith Lee. They wanted him to be Mark Henry. And I'm sorry. Keith Lee's different. And... When <laughs> his name hit the wire, I assume that he got a call from a 904 area code. <laughs> because I'll tell you right now, Keith Lee walks in all elite wrestling as a top star from day one and gets over in one night. Yeah. Mark my words. It's going to happen. So, um, like, bro, just think about him and war lower him and Luchasaurus. That's it right there. I, I mean, and he's wrestled a, a lot of people like, you know, in AEW already. He's- we, bro, we saw him and Adam Cole in Minarag Hall in Largo, Florida, having a damn near four and a half star match on a house show. I think you know what I'm saying? Look, like, what the it, fuck? it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a sad day, you know, for for, for everyone that was, you know. Talking about this Bearcat lease, that like when they gotta watch that man thrive and ball elsewhere, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rude awakening. Here. I hope. He, Let's go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say I, I hope Keith Lee is um not mentally broken from WWE as far as like them telling him he was doing everything wrong and um you know he is bigger now than he was in his like you know PWG days and yeah. pre WWE days yeah so. If he can, you know, take these three months to like really like, you know, work on his his mind and his body and come in, you know, with, with that motivation, I'm sure that is will be building up this whole time. Um, I think it's going to be I think, you know, people have been looking for, for black wrestlers in AEW. Well, there you go. <laughs> that was my transition. So um, there has been a lot of talk, and rightfully so, about the lack of uh, black wrestlers in WWE, or, uh, AEW. And um, I, I kind of shocked up the same way their women division, d- division is. Like, they're going to take steps with what they have, um, but they are not going to overstep what they or over um, or go through any um, growing pains on TV with the talent they have if they feel like it's not ready, right? Like, they're not going to um, do three women's angles on a dynamite uh, for, for 
a, a certain X amount of time, right? They're just going to have their one, their couple <laughs> segments are based like 15 minutes devoted to, to the women, and then that's it. They're not going to extend if they if they can unless they if they unless if they don't have the guns for it, right? Like they're not going to do that with the bunny and Anna J. Um, the same goes for the lack of black wrestlers they have in AEW. Like they have uh, Brandy, they have Jade, they have Red Velvet, they have Scorpio, they have the Martins, uh, they have Leo Rush now. Um, but, Scorpio Sky, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky yeah. Starks. Right, right, right. Um, private Party. Yes, Private Party. Um, they have not had some, they had, you know, people that's a long, that's a long play like Dante, right? Lee um, Johnson. Yeah. Lee Johnson, potentially. They have not had somebody like a Ricochet, a Keith Lee, a Leo Rush up until just recent. Um, given what happened, given with his rehab situation, um, they got one. They got one out in, in the free market now. Um, and if, if if and when he signs with AEW, we'll see. Um, and it'll be, and then we'll be able to reassess then. Just like when we talk about the women's division at certain points, it's like it's time to re, it's time to give it, give it time, and then assess from there. And then if we see progress, if we don't, then we'll note that. Um, so yeah, like now's the time. And, uh, I was talking to people for a lot of people that are very skeptical of, uh, AEW when it comes to black wrestlers. And, and that's my thought, like AEW is basically the American Indies from the last, let's say six years put in arenas on broadcast to you live. It's PWG. It's, um, AAW. It's, all that put for you to see and watch, right? Um, so the black wrestlers that were involved in that were all snatched up and brought into NXT or whatever else. So after this all, after these contracts run out and AW gets, or sorry, WWE cuts people or it goes left or whatever else, there are going to be people that matriculate. And over time, there will be people that matriculate from AEW to WWE. But we haven't seen that yet. Eventually, it'll happen. Who, how long? Who knows? But it's going to happen. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this continues to go because AEW ain't going nowhere. WWE obviously ain't going nowhere neither. And like, they're going to be two stable situations for a while, um, given their success relative to the rest of television. And it's going to be something to note when it comes to you know the black utopia that a lot of people think WWE is for for wrestling. <laughs> um, and like I gotta say, bro, like I ain't, I ain't seen to, I ain't seen a uh, black utopia in entertainment, not ever. I don't think so. For for pro wrestling, I'm even more skeptical. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, you know, while while people out here are looking like they have Doctor Umar hats on, damn near, um, I, you know, it's gonna be a rude awakening. One one some, <laughs> you know, that, like these narratives are gonna start, you know, getting, you know, looking bad. Um, but we'll move on from 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 Keith Lee. Uh, I think. You know, to wrap that up, it was a categorical mismanagement on Vince McMahon. This falls on him, um, bro. Who would have thought that they would have brought in the summer two out of two thousand eighteen um, after New Orleans uh, weekend WrestleMania two thousand eighteen? They would have brought in Keith Lee and Matt Riddle in the same summer, and the one they keep is the one that did not become a sex pest or was not learned to be a sex pest. What? Imagine that. 
Yeah. Um, then Karrion Cross also released. <laughs> they had him dressed like Ludwig Borga meets a like dominatrix uh, on on the main roster. They had this man bulldoze the NXT roster for months. Um, destroyed Tommaso Ciampa in six minutes. Destroyed Keith Lee in a terrible match. Do the long fallen prey entrance with all the smoke, the girl, the music, everything. Um, in front of no fans, by the way. Yeah. Um, this man was never remotely close to being over as his push. They were having entire NXT TakeOver main events where four guys were bouncing off of him, like four Ric Flairs around Lex Luger. They basically had him dominate all those guys um, and then <laughs> drop the belt to Samoa Joe, who s- still has yet to reemerge <laughs> back in NXT or anywhere for that matter. Um, and, you know, there, you know, I already told you what I think about that. But in this time, they're calling him up to Monday Night Raw, having him lose to Jeff Hardy while he's the NXT champion in two minutes. All types of goofy shit. They split him up with Scarlet. They slowly start deconstructing the act when, you know, weak, like like many other acts that they've done with big entrances or extravagant things. Like we can tell the moment that they're like pulling the plug on this shit. They send him out there and he looks like a regular guy um, who can forget Adam Cole and NXT saying, you know, when you take away all this shit, all they got to do to make me feel special is ring the bell and you, they got to give you the girl. They got to give you the push, the music, the title, the everything. Um, but there's nothing. And I don't know. Some people say that Karrion Cross was never the same after that Adam Cole promo and his career trajectory just went like it's arguable like i don't know who was done worse <laughs> between lee and cross like it got so bad for carrying cross on monday night raw that people like me who i'm not a fan of the guy at all that i was defending what was happening to him like in defending him saying like this is bullshit what's happening to him like you're bringing him in wearing a belt and he's losing what what i don't understand this constant repackaging that we're going to repackage him again and you know like i said uh like they're saying in the comments cross there i don't think he's anything special whatever but like if there's somewhere he should be able to succeed it's monday night raw right yep Yep. (laughs) yeah i just don't understand it um like one i didn't understand why wwe or wwe felt the need for nxt to have some dominant super champion that's not going to have you know very competitive matches that literally wasn't the point of nxt for the last you know since 2016 more or less right um if you want to change what nxt was fine uh but like do that for 2.0 not what nxt was like if you want to say that was the beginning of it fine whatever um he got hurt. That sucks. That's nothing. That's nothing to hold against him getting his shoulder fucking uh, popped out of sock in, in the middle of a main event. Um, but it also is worth pointing out that like it happened on like the last spot of that match. Um, yeah, man. Like he is not see somebody that uh, watching his booking was frustrating um, that whole time. And it was happening at a time as, like, they were doing more pulling people out that shouldn't have been pulled out at the time, seemingly, because, like, they have no plans for these people. Like, it makes, you know, and I'll, and I'll say this, you know, continuously, like, when Pete, when that line came out, when Triple H said that, like, he doesn't want anyone leaving up for the main roster unless they have six months worth of ideas, it's like, 
what I don't know whether you believe that, but let's say you do. Uh, it's not gonna happen. Um, and that's the same thing when he said when NXT went to um USA Network. Maybe you do believe that nothing's going to change. I know that it's gonna. Um, yeah. so yeah, like you know, he mentioned he was the NXT champion and. He's on NXT and he's not as impressive and he's getting squirted in the face with the fucking um what the fuck is uh the drip what stick. Is, the drip stick, that's what it was. I almost I almost call it the the moist the, the moistation three thousand. I forgot the fuck. <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck it was called. The, the maceration. Stop. Stop. That's an inside joke. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> that's some that Jesus Christ. Um so <sighs> Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. Like, fundamentally speaking, like, or, or just, like, generally speaking, I think Cross is good. Do I think he's a main eventer? No. Do I think he's a upper mid-card talent for NXT or the main roster, given what we, they have around there? No. Um, if they wanted to make him, like, another Lars Sullivan-type person, like a, a big guy slash monster that's going to wreck shop and he's a powerhouse and throws people around and suplex them around, Fine. But that at the top of the car was not what he was meant to do. And a lot of people resented that, obviously. Um, especially, like, around that time when they did the match where it was, like, Gargano and Cole and O'Reilly and Dunn bumping around, like you said, four Ric Flair's around one Lex Luger. Um, so, for me, just fundamentally, it's like, you're going to bring someone to the main roster... And then he, and then he's going to lose, and then you're going to embarrass left and right. And then there was talk about because it was so embarrassing. There was talk about uh, speculation that maybe he's being taught a lesson, and it's like <laughs> the lesson will be taken, sent his ass back to NXT if he needs to be taught a lesson. Th- this the big leagues. Either you're going to push somebody or you're not. And you, and you know, like so, and it's like, and also it's like one of those things was like you're this also speculation. You don't know if he did anything or not. He might be doing perfectly fine. Vince fucks with people all the time for no reason. So, um, just fundamentally, like they they fucked it up. Um, and then they were talking about he need to be revamped somehow, some way. And then they say, "Here's a revamp for you. Here's your shit. You're gone. Don't come back." They Someone. literally did everything in their power to, to 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 fuck that dude up. And I'm not saying that he was going to be the next Drew McIntyre or no shit like that, but. The dude clearly had um, a look that Vince covets. He clearly ha- he clearly could wrestle a- good enough, considering um, uh, what we see on NXT or see on the main roster on a weekly basis. Like I, you know, I don't know, man. And also, he also can promo. Is he a great promo? I wouldn't go that far, but he's a good enough promo to where like he's not gonna he's not gonna spit up on himself on live television. So it was just weird to me. Um, like he's what he's a. I feel like, you know, at times with NXT on his worst or not his worst, but like at his most exposed moments when he's in there with, you know, guys that are literally the best wrestlers of the world and he's out there having like just really good matches instead of great kick ass all time classic type bangers. Like, I thought he was he's a look the parts all star, right? Like, and you're only got about certain guys like that from time to time, especially in WWE. But it's WWE. Like, what are we talking about? Like we're not like we're not we're not asking him to go out there and go go have four and a half star matches. We're asking him most times to go out there and have a three and a quarter star match. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, it, it is weird. It is really weird that like he didn't get a chance considering like they put him in that goofy ass mask yeah. and yeah. the straps 
And he basically said all that shit was bullshit. And yeah. someone asked him for the helmet. He was like, brother, you don't want that shit. Like, so um, all these people getting getting just fucked up. And um, from there, I guess there's, you know, um, there's more people. Frankie Monet, another one. Um, six matches with NXT. Um, she got. We, she, we, we know what this is. Her and Morrison moved. From where they were in California, moved to Orlando so she'd be <clears throat> in NXT to doing the bump drills, <laughs> doing the, with that headgear. Do, yeah, doing in one of them seven rings, doing that bullshit. Even though she's a well accomplished a wrestler and look, whatever fundamentals you got to train fundamentals, whatever. Like everybody, you know, practice layups. That's fine. But they bring her in. They roll out the red carpet for a presentation for her for uh, an NXT Women's Division wrestler. And then, like... There's nothing behind it. Everybody says that she did exactly what she was told. She even said that recently. She did exactly what she was told to do. And following directions ain't good enough. She said somebody lied. Yeah, so now she now she's been now she's been fired, and now uh, she has to be uh, very local again uh, somewhere else. And it's kind of like this is hardening. Like... That's one of the things that's lost in all of these um, releases from this year, this past year, is like so many people were wrestling on their own time, on their own, making their own schedule, and could fly in and fly out and stay where they stay and be amongst their family and the people they love and within proximity of that. And they had to uproot their lives and move to fucking Central Florida and... Then they're told they're gonna get fucked while they're um, ma- while this company is making profit, and obviously a, a, comp- a corporation gonna corporate. I get it, but it like doesn't I mean it, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't suck. It doesn't mean that people weren't lied to. Like there's someone on this list that just recently bought a new house. Um, that sucks. Um, then uh, I'm thinking about Freak Monet. Is like you know what this clearly is like. This age. Is the, yeah, this is an age. This is a look thing. Um and you know that that's pretty much what it comes down to the new directive like uh, I don't think they're gonna push her on the main roster so we know what it is in NXT and if you don't take a look at the toxic attraction so I mean look um, they, they fired Mickey James this year yeah so Mickey James what thirty nine forty yeah so. and Mickey James still looks like Mickey James yeah so um you know Frank Monet's got it. Like or excuse me, uh, Taya Valkyrie. Um, she's been around the world. I'm sure there's plenty of places. I believe she's already getting booked different places. So, um, you know, everyone else kind of from there is like you know people that limited opportunity. Releases. Yeah, people. Yeah, people. Or there's also Ember Moon. We'll get to her. In oh a second. yeah, and Nia Jax. Um, but the the rest of the list I'm looking at is like people that are even like like too early to really have. Um, like a look at like Zeta Ramir mm-hmm. who uh, was comes from Booker T school. She is a high end prospect and she's only like 19 or 20 years old. Um, so I like, I could easily see her come back one day. I could see her uh, on dark uh, getting reps immediately, pretty much um, someone has been around like only Lorkin, um, you know, fantastic wrestler, but looking at the landscape, 
there's no room for him. Uh, Trey Baxter, super young, who's Blake Christian, uh, actually just got a message that he's booked against Bandito and GCW, so that's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> um, people that have been in the system for a long time that either haven't shown or gotten the opportunity, um, like Jesse Cameo or Jeet, uh, the NXT Largo Loop legend Jeet Rama. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think I need to speak and tell people about the legend that is Jeet uh, right. in in the uh, house show. So Jeet is a wrestler. He's forty years old now. Was released, <clears throat> but this guy took to the basics of wrestling. In a very in a way that made you really get into him, uh, we had a lot of fun cheering for Jeet and like just chanting Jeet Jeet Jeet. And when he would fire up for a comeback, you felt it. Like he, there was something there. He wrestled like a young lion. Yeah, he was never going to get a get a shot to to do it in NXT. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, and he's been around for a long the time. Cra- the craziest thing for me is. They they signed a bunch like you know they they were trying to expand into India they they signed a lot of guys a, a a number of people from India whatever else and like the other guys that I've seen them bring up or whatever else like Indushir and um like he's better than all of them is it because he's not because he's not six foot six this is weird man um yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun cheering for Jeet. We did uh, NXG, especially NXG. Yes, um, but yeah, Ember and well, hold on. I saw his I saw his comment or his uh, his uh, his post his, his post in his post like he mentioned like the fact that he he that he was literally got over when he was doing these house shows and I saw I seen it and like uh, you can talk about um JJ uh, JJ that does um the uh, the Largo Loop reports for um. For um, yeah. wrestling, for F4W, he he will point those out too on those things. Like, G's super fucking over for some reason. I can't explain it. I don't know why, but he is at these at these house shows, and you got you got over it. You know, in the lab, right? You know, like Triple H would always say, like, you get this is the lab. If things work here, that means it's bound to work on, on the bigger on a on a larger scale. Apparently, Bro, the fuck not. Like, like. Our group of friends decided we were cheering for G, and everyone else like kind seemed of. to join in. Yeah, and, and they like, could have said no. Them, them, them cheers could just die. Yeah. So, like, shouts out to G. So, um, <laughs> but Naya and Ember, man, you talk about two different like cases. So they're obviously worlds apart as wrestlers. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, you could definitely say that. Um, Naya actually, um, you know, she was a cousin of the rock. She's been around the world and back again, been the champion, been the tag team champion, been very protected over the years, hurt a lot of people, uh, by accident and maybe not by accident, accident. Um, who can forget her last real memory? Uh, and the company has her UWFI, or excuse me, her unofficial UWFI rules ma- match with Charlotte, uh, where she shot in the middle of the ring. Um, yeah, man. And she put out a statement. Um, there was some mental health stuff in there. There was uh, some vaccination stuff that's possibly linked to this. I was shocked to see it. Um, but, I mean, did you see this coming? Because I didn't. No, I did not. Um 
But I do not think it is also uh, appropriate for, I don't know, like people that are WWE defenders to say that, like, look, see, she was being protected by by being Rock's relation relation to Rock. It's like, oh, really? You you think that uh, someone can injure that number of people over five years and still keep their fucking job while probably like in this grand scheme of things not being a draw? You think that's possible? If if not for that kind of relation, huh? You think <laughs> Joe? You think you think Lars Sullivan could have done that? You you think yeah. Braun Strowman could have done that? I disagree. Okay then. So like it's 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 weird to me like the the takes as people getting fired is like. I don't think it's necessarily appropriate for that, but if you want to go there, she stayed there. For, she she got called up before she was ever ready. I don't know if she ever was ready, uh, but she was on the main roster, uh, and she was in a main event. I'm sorry, not a main event, but she was in a WrestleMania uh, title singles title match. Um, she, you know, she had matches with, with Ronda Rousey on pay per view, and like were better than any they had any right to be. Right, that's true. That is true. Um, so yeah, like, <clears throat> she's gone, she's Fourth gone, the- yeah, it's weird, it's, it's weird, like, I, I, I mean, I, I, I imagine she'll, if she ever wrestles again, it'll be back in WWE. Same, I, I don't see Nia Jax, like, wanting to hit the grind, personally. I, I couldn't imagine her in Shimmer, I just couldn't. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just it just think she'll take us tour to stardom, James. I'm sorry. Think Nia Jax would take us tour to stardom. We don't take. No, I said we. This man said I we. Said we. <laughs> <laughs> Clip that. Clip that. <laughs> stardom don't take guidance right now. Stardom don't take guidance right now. <laughs> Sam, 2022 stardom wrestler of the year. Oh my god. Um. But yeah, uh, Ember Moon uh, getting getting let go. Also, um, up and down. I think sometimes uh, you know with with the wrestling, she has really high highs. Like her first NXT run, some of the stuff on the main roster just didn't. She didn't quite break through. Didn't really get the opportunity to break through. Ended up back in NXT. Well, you know how that goes. Oh like, yeah. Do you ever get a chance to like wrestle any of the Horsewomen or Oscar? Nope. nope. You're fucked. Get, yep. get get out of here! You yep. know, like like if you don't get to wrestling in them five, you're in trouble. Like, yeah, and from there it was like, well, uh, you're back in NXT, and we're gonna have you uh, teaming up with people and making people look good. She was a high level like enhancement person at the end. Yep, like uh, like damn near like a For like a Roger like a Roger Strong almost, um, and. I have no worries about Ember Moon. I think she will be fine wherever she lands. Yeah. Um, I hope she ends up in AEW. Like, she's one of the best, like... Don't ever let her talk, though. Ever. <laughs> she's one of the... Or do backstage or pre-tape stuff. Um, she's one of the best um, in-ring female talents we have in this country. She just is. Um, so, uh, she, you know, she can hit, the, she can hit the, the circuit again if she wants to, but I think that I think AEW ends up giving her a call. Yeah. Um, and then Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly, they had a dark match that just kind of came and went Yeah. on uh, on Friday. Didn't yeah. really see any reports about it. Um, we know that their contracts are 
set to come up probably about a month from now. Yep. Now, my question for you is this, right? Mm-hmm. If you're Johnny Gargano, I understand you, you know, you're professional, that kind of stuff. And in the back of your mind, you got to say, motherfucker, I had some of your best tag matches when I was here uh, in 2019. And I went back. Why do I need to, why do I need to try out again? What are you talking about? Um, yeah. So but all jokes aside, um, be professional, do your job, get the fuck out of there and go to AEW. Like you're both of them. Like, what are you going to do? Stay in XC 2.0 and, 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 and teach the kids? I'm telling you, bro, AEW like death row right now, bro. Like, it's like, bro, if you want to come here, be a wrestler and be a star and you want to live in this country and you don't want to worry about not being six foot five, like. <laughs> right. It's like. Man, come to like, death row. Like, you know, obviously, like, I think with once you have the cold thing <clears> drop, <throat> when it's like, okay. Colin, Colin Gargano and, and O'Reilly are all close. Like, I'm sure they're getting information as far as what it's like compared to what, what life is. And, like, I'm sure they also want, knowing them, the kind of wrestling nerds they are, I'm pretty sure they're watching this shit. And, like, and if you're Kyle O'Reilly, you also got to be watching, like, the GCW Bloodsport stuff and be like, he, he has to want in on that. Yeah. He's not going to, um, like, they're not going to let him... You're never seeing another p- a fight pit match. It's never happening again, right? Like it's never happening again. So you got to put you, Von if, Wagner if you, and and Joe Gacy in the fight pit, you know. Right. So like, if he wants to do any of that kind of stuff, the how he wrestles or whatever else is kind of like, kind of getting a buzz right now. It'd be, be like I don't obviously I don't know what kind of money he's making XC obviously, but I can I can make a uh, uh, I'm pretty sure a comfortable estimated guess and like I think he can do something comparable. Like working AEW and then working the uh, working uh, elsewhere in the Indies. Yeah, um, Air Freddy says Von Wagner is about to write Kyle's dumbass off. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have him basically being in this tag team right now. Um, I, I look if I'm Johnny Gargano, like you got Candice there. Candice is pregnant right now. Like take your ass out of there. They can't fire her yet. Um, or else they would look, I mean, WWE doesn't really care about looking bad, but like, this is the perfect time. Like, do not feel like you have to resign out of loyalty, you know, cause ain't nothing loyal. And also another part is like, Oh, cause go, go ahead and go ahead and fire uh Candace. Go for it. It's not like she won't end up in a W. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's just so weird. It's, um, Oh yeah, you mentioned Xander Ramirez, right? Remember when yeah. she beat? Z- Remember when she got an upset victory over uh, Tony Storm? Tony Storm. Team? Yep. Where the fuck's Tony Storm? Yeah, on the main roster, not getting booked for Survivor Series. So, uh, you know, Tony Storm, possibly another one of those, you know, one of those stories. Like, you know, they don't, they don't like the aesthetic. You know, they're not, they're not seeing the vibe. You know, but I can tell you, like. You know, everyone I know, you know, immediately understands the 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 Tony Storm. You know, the the vibe that, the that Tony, Tony Storm. Storm you're doing you know, the, the aesthetic. Oh, okay, you know, okay. I didn't know if you. you I know. know. I know. If, I didn't know if you were gonna say she's the Tony now. Like, or oh whatever. yeah, oh yeah. She she she's oh, definitely God the Tony. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> Been the Tony. So, um, oh man. 
<laughs> Sam has a question. He says, what happens to the legacy of NXT with guys like Ciampa and Gargano never k- kicking on and Cole leaving? Did they just pretend 2018 through 20 never happened? Yes, they pretend it never happened because they already pretend it doesn't happen or doesn't exist I, at I, large. I don't even – and this is a thing that made it so weird for me uh, – or not weird, but made it kind of just like, well, I don't really care. But, like, Rich was talking about this years ago or actually once they started uh, – be counter program for AEW is like, what is the or no actually before that so about at the time when it's like all these hero all of these like great college players would come to the will go to the league and they all be fucking bust is like so what exactly is this uh even though it's the best thing WWE's ever done in the ring what is this exactly um and like. I just, for me, like, it never really, it never really mattered to me. Like, I'm here to, I'm here to watch television. I don't care about, like, what happens after to these people because, like, that's not the TV show I'm watching right now, right? Like, like, if I'm, like if I'm watching a TV show, like, in, like, the season, there's a season finale, or a series finale, and then all of a sudden, like, they have movie, movies based on the series, like, and they fuck up that movie, like, it's not gonna make me look back poorly on that television series, right? Um... <laughs> there's a there's a, a great parallel for it, but I don't feel like getting into what I watch. Uh, fuck it, I'll say it. Sex in the City. Like Sex in the City is like one of those. Like people love Sex in the City, and then like the the second week was god awful. But whatever. On, James, these are the, the things you have to talk about on the show. We may be reaching a new demo if you talk new, about your love for Sex in the City. I don't necessarily say it's a love for Sex in the City as much as saying I liked it. Like, okay. um, yeah, it's not exactly The Wire. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but um we are breaking bad or some shit but um yeah it's just I, i've for me i've kind of blocked that out but you know now that we're at 2.0 i mean we're just basically kind of like looking at any other pro wrestling company that had close up shop like i mean i obviously it's not uh ring of honor uh obviously a lot of their talent came from ring of honor um but it was wwe's um Getting in on the almost like a, a war profiteer, like selling on both sides, right? Selling arms both sides, like okay, you're tired of the machine. We'll make our own uh, thing to rage against the machine while we profit off of it. And then once AEW shows up, people kind of like it crystallized. People like, wait a second, NXT was always a sh- machine all along. Um, and then people start like kind of. Like they still respect NXT as far as like the high end ring quality, but they're kind of like, yeah, I'm, we're going to kind of pay attention more attention to AEW and kind of leave wholesale. And like obviously NXT had its troubles once it went to TV, um, based off the notes it was given from Vince McMahon, you could tell. But um, yeah, like that's kind of where I leave it. Like it was a great run of television from, I mean, you could say from you could say from. Arrival. If you want to argue that, like, obviously, I feel like uh, you you had a great point line delineation. Like, once Nakamura shows up in 2016, like from Nakamura's appearance to um, Portland 20, or sorry, Portland 2020 in February 16th, 20, uh, 2020, like that was, in my opinion, the best uh, weekly episodic television of pro wrestling that I ever saw. Um, and then it obviously changed um, in whatever like i saw some of the best matches i've ever seen in my life some of my, some of my favorite wrestlers from nxt uh have came out like or have came out of there like whether it's, it's people like yo shirai Kyrie sane or johnny gargano or bailey um 
And yeah, like I always have fond memories of it. It stinks that it couldn't it couldn't last, but in reality, it was never gonna be able to last. Like they were hoarding talent at a rate um, that it couldn't sustain, given the amount of uh, people high quality training we have around the world and how bad their training system was. Like we didn't know AEW was gonna pop up, but if it wasn't gonna be AEW, it would have been ROH probably. So. I, I or, think in like or New Japan uh, Western expansion. I, I think in like four or five years, uh, we'll get the NXT documentary on the WWE Network, and we'll be painting Vince as a visionary and genius. Um, and Triple H will say, "Yeah, you know, uh, they'll talk about some of the good things Triple H did. They'll definitely talk about like Dusty, and they'll talk about all the the stars that they have, and then like talk about." like completely airbrush them getting beat in the ratings and all that stuff. And pretty much just say, but WWE felt like times were changing. And then we moved away from that. Like, <laughs> like it'll yeah. be some type of vague wrap up. We, de- we decided like, to move to something far worse. Yeah. Like, you know, it'll be like how, you know, that they, they, they talk about like how the losers write the history books in, of the civil war, like the rewriting of the civil war, like the, the war of Northern like <laughs> aggression. Like, so okay, WWE would be like, like the sisters of the Confederacy. Yeah. I have written these statues of, uh, of like Stonewall Jackson and shit. Yes. They were mm-hmm. written a statue of Johnny Gargano, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't like the idea of Johnny Gargano being compared to, to uh, a Confederate's uh, <laughs> upper, upper, uh, you know, military man, but okay. You know, Tommaso Chava, general Robert E. Lee, you know, that, that, that seems a bit more apt for, uh, when it comes to, you know, his, uh, some of his political, uh, Alignments, uh, yeah, it's, it's um Nathan Bedford, yes, Nathan Bedford Breaker. Someone said yes. Wow, wow, that's great. Shout out to Air Freddy. Um, yeah, but um, I guess you know, switching uh, gears here a little bit into something a little bit more serious. John Moxley uh, announced, or Tony Khan announced on Twitter that John Moxley would be entering an inpatient rehab uh, for drinking um uh they didn't specifically say you know what whatever it is but apparently he has like some type of issue and he's gonna be stepping back and he's gonna immediately begin that treatment um obviously with the support of uh tony khan with aw and his family and he's going to try to go ahead and get himself taken care of um and this was like sad to hear about. And it was like, fuck, like, like you think this guy's like on top of the world. Um, he's mowing through the tournament. Um, he's looking like he's, you know, getting ready for another big push. His books releasing, uh, he's going around the world again, like with GCW, uh, he's their champion. He's look, you know, eventually he's going to be working with new Japan. You'd think again. Um, and, you know that that sucks. It's just like this little bit of a reminder of like what real life can do sometimes. And uh, I I felt bad because like you know, you know my my relationship with like uh, with drinking. I, I started thinking about it and I was like, I can pick it up and put it down and it's like nothing. Like it's like all right, I'll go months without it and then you know I'll I hang out with friends and you know have a bunch and then don't think about it. And it's not like that for everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like something that's like 
that can really take a hold of you. And I, and I just never really considered it like that. And um, hearing about it just like made me like start thinking like, wow. Like, and then, you know, looking at the the environment, it's like, you know, this guy takes a lot of, a lot of punishment, a lot of pain. Like he's probably like using that for, um, you know, self-medicating. Who knows? Yeah. Who, who knows what he's using it for? So like, um, you know, I don't know if it's a case of like you know obviously they haven't talked about it or anything yet like the case like he just likes to party like that could be it too so I don't know man uh, but I was I was I was very taken aback by the news. Yeah, I, I talked about this a little bit uh, last Wednesday with Imp, um, and it made me think about certain things in uh, in certain ways like that clip of the commercial where of uh, Rose to the top. Where Brandy is talking to Moxley backstage, and um, she asks, "Oh, hey, Mox, how you doing?" And he goes, "I'm extremely hungover right now." Um, like it makes you look at that with a different light, right? Um, you think of, and I'm not saying there's any bad guys in this. It just, but it makes you think. Like you think of his relationship with the Samoans, like with with. Take, taking those road trips with Roman with the Usos and you think of like the Usos troubles um, with drinking um, and you think of the way this deathmatch stuff he's done and some of the stuff he's done in matches that are like beyond the pale in like how you know and we know about um, people in the military that are heavy drinkers we know about wrestlers being heavy drinkers and, and football players being heavy drinkers to self medicate to try to numb down some of the pain they have and it makes you worry about if this person can still do this and have a healthy life, if that's what they want to do and how they're going to be able to manage this going forward. So, yeah. Um, and I, I ended up buying his book uh, the other day. I ended up reading the first 50 pages last night, actually. I think it's the first time I've read a book and went through the first 50 pages, like in just in a heartbeat. Like normally I'll read like 20, 25 pages and kind of, get back to it uh i think the last book might have been james brown jump james brown james brown's um <clears throat> autobiography and that's when i was in high school <clears throat> so in his prologue he talks about how like he, he says he's a borderline alcoholic and then while he's in the middle of the press run for his book he he goes into inpatient or voluntary goes into inpatient um uh therapy and you wonder, like, what was the breaking? You start just wondering, like, what, like, where's this person's well-being? Is this person like you care, you care about? Because like he's a he's someone that like the way he talks. For me personally, like he's the best promo going, and the way he talks, like you obviously, it's like the the Terry Funk thing. Like I'm not going to convince you that wrestling's real, but I convince you that me as a person is, and the kind yeah. of stuff he talks about as a non-bullshit baby face it, it, I, I respond to it compared to a lot of other guys and there are other guys that do a lot of great work but like in his particular brand it, it, it speaks to me and uh, yeah like it reading his book and after after hearing this news it, it like makes me more feel for the dude like I really hope this dude pulls through and I hope like he's able to figure out a, a, a balanced life for this going forward for uh, for for his his sake, because like in that book, he's like, I know I'm gonna be a good dad. Like I've screwed up a lot of things, 
like the whole joke about how um smoking I've smoked crack before, let me tell you, is like doing whippets and um in wasabi at the same time. I don't suggest it unless that's something you already do and that's your thing, whatever. Like, um like the stuff he talks about with like his dad in uh in that book he talk uh he does a couple chapters. Uh he does a chapter on his dad about like how his family got divorced when he was like three and like he could even tell from early age like this isn't parents don't do this. Like couples don't do this. They're not meant to be together. And talk about how his dad like moved out and took jobs on the way to get better jobs to support the family while while he was out of town in different cities. And um like that whole story, that promo he cut about like we are the good guys, about how his dad like that he said all that shit was a shoot except for one thing. His dad's not that big. Like hmm. his dad's five nine, he's not six three. Uh but everything else is, was real. And then there's another chapter when he talks about like his dad is in is works at, is a uh manager in a plastics company in Dayton, Ohio. Um he talked about like during the you know, the emergency ramp up during COVID, like his dad's in charge of this plant is building all this plastic for PPE and stuff. And he talked about how when he was, you know, back in the day, how he had a truck and how when you have a truck, you're a person with a truck, you can get called any given time and you're just, you're unofficial mover. You start moving people in and out of houses. <laughs> he said there'll be sometimes with the right, like people aren't even intending to move, but I, we just got the truck and momentum and their ass is moving. And um, he talked about how one time his dad called him and he figured us to move some stuff. So he calls him and his friend and they go to a grocery store and they just buy three carts full worth of food with a bunch of cereal and stuff and everything. And he says, go to this address, um, go to this address, knock on the door and just hand him the stuff and say it's from an, it's an anonymous donation. And dude opens the door and this is dude that clearly, uh, looks like a hard-working, blue-collar guy, opens the door, sees the groceries, and the dude's, like, trying to hold back tears. And the kids come out, and long story short, after they hand out all the stuff, uh, Moxie <coughs> realizes, like, this is one of his dad's employees, and he's helping his helping him out because, like, there's ends, ends can't be meat, and the story is that his wife got sick and was paying for medical bills and all this kind of stuff. And he talked about, like, my dad made me, and this is who I am. And uh, it just, him noting this stuff and then him talking about Renee and and, and his kid is like, I just hope this works out because, like, that's a good dude. It just, and just he, that's just the vibe he gives off. So I hope him the best for him. Yeah. Uh, I think. All One Nation Radio, the the listeners that we have, uh, send our best out. Like this is a guy that we got a lot of memories with uh, the last decade, uh, I would say, and hopefully we have uh, a lot to come. So, then um, yeah. you know, let's leave it at that. Also, his chapter on the G One and his in, and his interest in New Japan is fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, like thank you, Rocky Romero, for tampering. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you for, for, for being the liaison, you know. Shouts out to Rocky Romero. Need, be on Dynamite need, next you week. Know, they might need to take a, you know, a third round draft pick from, from, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, but hey, whatever, man. Like, uh, he was there and we got, we got that Shingo match and that Ishii match and that Naito match. So, and that, uh, first Juice Robinson match. 
Yep. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, moving on, uh, speaking of Rock Romero, he's going to be on AEW Dynamite next week. AEW Dynamite this week opened with something that I lost my fucking mind over, uh, to say the least. Uh, one of the... You know, I'm. I don't know if I'm being a bit hyperbolic here, but I think one of like the best like enhancement style matches I think that you'll ever see. Um, this whole thing uh, it, we opened with Kenny Omega versus Alan Angels. They announced it earlier in the day. Everyone on Twitter immediately started uh, going off with the jokes, like uh, you know, Alan Angels is coming to finish the job. You know, I sent one of those out. Uh, you know, can't believe that Kenny. You know, days before or like a week before his title match, his career has got to be placed at stake again. Um, and then uh, he came out. Uh, you know, and Alan Angels in the ring, unmasked, different guy, obviously, than he was last time. He's in a, in a semi-pushed act, so he, he's someone in the company at this point. Kenny comes out, he's talking shit to the camera, so that's always a dead giveaway that he's about to send a message. And he gets in, and I feel like there's a spring in Kenny's step that I feel like was like, I feel like I was watching New Japan or whatever, like the way he was moving around the ring. Um him and Angels going back and forth. They're doing a lot of cool shit. Uh, Kenny's immediately opening with the with the V trigger, saying, "I'm going to put this fucker away." Immediately with it, and you know they they do the reversals out of it. He gives a- Alan Angels probably even more than he gave him last time uh, throughout the match, and they're doing near falls, which people are biting on. He's like Alan Angels going for roll ups. He's doing a moonsault off the uh, the uh, post to the outside of the ring. I really love this match. And then Kenny sends the message with all the V triggers. Um, he lets Angels kick out of one and then fucking destroys them with like two or three of them and then finishes them with one big one, pins them, grabs the mic and says, You ruined my, you try to ruin my career, um, all this other shit. And, you know, this was a direct shot at Ryan Satin. I loved every fucking second of this because this was like, what possibly is like the eve of like him about to like drop the title off possibly. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they just remembered, you know, what the fuck this, this dumbass, this dunce was talking about, uh, these months ago and threw it out there just, just to send a message or whatever. And, um, I loved it. I love, I love the pettiness. I love when Katie does shit like this. I love, love it because it upsets the right people typically and uh, I'm sure Ryan Satin's mentions were on fire uh, throughout this I, I thought this was brilliant yeah I, I howled when he uh, threw the 1v trigger and then he covered him when he, he leaned back on him and then he's like one, two, and he kicked, and then he started beating on the mat like he couldn't believe they didn't beat him with a V-trigger because it's like, that's not his finishing move. That's his best move, but it's not his finishing move. So I fucking howled um, at it and everything, and like we knew what it was the second we saw uh, it announced as a match was going to happen. And like, yeah, for what I thought it could be, it was better than I even what I imagined in my mind, but like that finish is about what I thought was going to happen. Like he was going to kick out a V trigger. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was really good, really good. And like, yeah, man, like the worst thing said and did with that tweet was when he doubled down on it. Like I can understand from the perspective of, and I, I said this to imp like uh, on Wednesday, like, or sorry, Thursday that like, 
I can understand if you're a person that doesn't watch much wrestling outside of WWE and you've been trained at like only the stars matter and stars beat people that like that aren't other stars, right? Uh, but everywhere else is not the case. Or mo- almost everywhere else is not the case. Like, if you are like starting, for example, Tim and Shuri are going to take Rock in a Grand Prix like seven minutes. It's going to happen. It did happen. They're still the top five stars in the fucking company. <laughs> the company's not going to crash. It's perfectly fucking fine. Right? Um, so. I, I should go through the list of things that Kenny Omega has done since that match. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, no, and that that was the thing when he was like, "It's gonna, it, it, this is this is ruining it, or this is gonna hurt him, whatever else." It was like, and eh, maybe if this is WWE, maybe possibly, right? Like we talked about guys not having like like come up and they're not like just destroying people and wonder what that means. Um, but this is. We're, that's in the context of WWE. Outside of WWE, that holds no bearing. So, um, but when he doubled down on it and said that, like, no, you guys don't understand. It's because you're biased. And if this was, if this was a WWE, you'd be killing. It's like you're probably because WWE has spent the last nearly forty years telling you that like stars dispatch of Allen Angels within three minutes in enhancement squash matches. In fact, that was most of the television um, before uh, bef- in, before 95, right? Or yeah. before 92. Which is like, they squash people. So, like, yeah, I, I get why you why you may feel that, but, like, you're wrong because, like, AEW <laughs> ain't WWE. Like, AEW is more like Look, Stardom, we're not, New Japan, Look, Dragon Gate, what have you. And we're not going to treat them exactly the same because right. they have not, like... There's there's degrees here. There's levels here. Sam with a good point in the comments. Guys are coming up and losing to Jeff Hardy while wearing the NXT title, and then you have the same people saying you have to trust the process on that. Like, right. come on, man. Like like Kenny has had since then several of the biggest matches in Dynamite history, the best matches in AEW history. Win the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame after that. Um, drawn several of the biggest been the main event of the biggest pay-per-views he like, won the AEW world won title the fucking, since then yeah, yeah exactly like oh I was getting there but like oh, okay, he's done man. that and then like just every, all these tentpole events like and he's still the guy when people you know sign with uh with AEW it's like well who do you want to see them face it's always fucking Kenny Omega it's been Kenny Omega it's gonna stay Kenny Omega like this is the fucking lightning rod like yeah. stop this yeah it, it was just a weird thing that Satin was on and it was like and he doubled down on it so like for me it was like oh you have double down on this and that's why I said for me like from the, his first tweet was like that's how you feel I can see how if you you know like if you're shaped by if you're shaped and influenced by your lifestyle or your like your lifestyle your your whole life watching WWE I get that right like a lot of the stuff that I know about professional wrestling is shaped from Eric Bischoff the Cornette Jim Ross Vince McMahon Pat Patterson it is and like the stuff that I've watched out there is like let me know that there's more to it than that but like I, I get it but once he doubled down I was like oh okay so you think there's only one way to do this type of thing all right you're going to be wrong. We already know you're wrong, but you're going to be wrong. Nothing's going to happen to Kenny Omega. You're probably fine. No one will remember this match uh, um, a month from now. He's And sure enough, it happened. And, and Satin, I forgot. I, I don't remember how he responded to his message getting blown up or whatever. It was, but, like, 
I remember I saw Sean Ross Sapp saying like Ryan Satin respond. Yeah. <laughs> Stop hiding. Yeah. Uh, so it was funny. Yeah. Um. And, and I remember when when Dave would like randomly like pick this up like like maybe like six months ago he would just. You know, he would participate in the jokes like, man, I thought Kenny Omega's career was dead or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, who would ever say such a thing like that? And then Satin would talk about it. Well, in you the also meeting, know that, like, Meltzer don't, Meltzer don't like Satin at all. Right. At yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> Satin, uh, uh, Sam says Satin was getting in, a, in random people's replies who didn't even tag him. Yeah. So it was just, uh, you know, hey, bro, you was wrong, man. Just like, just, just, just. Wrong, wrong. You know, just wear that. Man. We're all wrong too. That's the thing. Like, right? Like, I was, um, like I told, um, Caleb the other day, I was wrong about the Braves when I looked at like their their win loss record. And I looked at their run differential and I saw the division they were in. I was like, yeah, they're not winning the World Series. <laughs> I was wrong. Right. He was right. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you tie your ego into being right or wrong, then you end up like that. Hey man, all you have to do is be entertaining. So, um. So after but it's that, fine. He's not even a journalist anymore. So he's he's doing right, something right. else. Like he's, he's, he's yeah, he, podcaster. You know, yeah, something like that. I don't know. Um, so on Rampage, uh, CM Punk cut or excuse me on Dynamite, CM Punk cut a promo about Moxley. Yeah, and Eddie Kingston. But I think the Moxley promo that was possibly like the best promo of the year. I thought it was just like it was like. I was like ready to run through a wall on CM Punk's behalf. Like it, it was like he dropped like the the thing. He says, you know, he talked about Moxley, and it's like he doesn't really know him that well. But just the stuff that he said, it was like a very human moment. And yeah. where it, you know, and I would immediately tweet out in all caps: Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer CM Punk, because it's like no one could tie that. I mean, there there's a short list of people that could tie that in, make it feel that real. It comes from this straight edge dude and then uh, tie it into the thing with Kingston. And it was just like, I thought it was a, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. And also he was like, while he was doing, he was also responding to like people like throwing, hurling in like things from the crowd. And he's responding to it at a time in real time. Like that's the thing with, with punk, right? Like you get this, this one, even, this one, even his best promo and t- talking oh, segment week. this week. Right? Yeah. And it's like, after this week, I'm like, okay, uh, MJF, Kingston, um, Punk, like, have to be locked for best on, best on interviews this year. And, like, Punk just, Punk just started doing this shit again, like, a couple months ago. Um, like, he's been that strong already. Um, yeah, so, and I thought it was great. Like, he talked about, like, the kind of, bravery it took for Moxley in his situation, like to be on top of the world, to have all these people like relying on him and to like get off, be have to be that hamster and will have to get off the wheel. How hard it was and how he related, and he related it to like, you know, his basically his first problem with AEW. He talked about like, I was sick and I knew I couldn't get healthy in the place I was sick. It was like, he's not right right now. He is sick. He, he has to go. Um, and, 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 he, and he, you know, he was happy or he was glad that he decided to go get that help. And like, that was really cool. Um, and like, it's also another thing where it's like, it's acknowledging the thing that we all, that we're all like, um, talking about or thinking about while we're watching their television, because like, it's the real world. These are real people. These aren't characters. Um, obviously they are, but I'm saying like, they relate to things that are happening outside of just what is on screen. Um, and, and like, 
that's a part of that difference when we talk about when people uh, ask, like, what's it between sports entertainment and pro wrestling? It's like, not much. It's just Vince has these rules to not acknowledge anything happening that's not pleasant outside of, the, outside of his, uh, his what he wants on, on his television. And that's part of it. Like, it's pro wrestling, but it's his version of pro wrestling. And there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and when it was not working on all cylinders, but when it's, you know, in the mud, like it's been the last few years, the events is getting more, more, more further gone. Then like, you starts to, you start to point out like, this is fundamentally like not on point right now. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, like he, then he's related to, uh, to Kingston and he said that he wanted to, um, t- see him on Wednesday night or sorry, on Friday night. And, uh, wasn't that taped afterwards rampage? No, oh, no, wasn't? it was, okay. it was live. Okay. Okay. I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell. I, Cause I could have thought I could have sworn that it was also going to be back to back St. Louis. So I, I, I didn't know. Um, but yeah, so really good promo, man. Really good promo by punk. Yeah, um, after that, we had um, basically Cole and the Bucks were, were backstage basically uh, saying Jurassic Express, Christian the don't want it. Guys. You know, they're, they're real tough guys, you know. And Christian walks up and Matt Jackson was like, hey, man, what you going to do, man? Like, come on, man, it's three of us. We'll, we'll fuck you up. Quit playing. And then Luchasaurus came and was and like, hey, became, man, became, I'm not trying to. Then it became two on three, and then they were like, nah, bro, it ain't, on, it ain't unfair enough. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't on that type of time, you know? <laughs> Bro, like that immediate switch and in, in the confidence, I loved it. Um, and then it breaks out into this all-out brawl. Um, this is like another brawl of these teams have done to go with the other one. Obviously, it sets up. Uh, Christian gives the concerto to Adam Cole at the end, so they're they're standing tall. Christian and Jurassic Express, and they ended up booking a Falls Count Anywhere match for full gear with these guys. I imagine this is going to be insane. Like I'm thinking, like Shield versus Team Hell No style. Like that's literally um, the first thing I thought about was Shield's debut match. <laughs> that's the first thing I thought. Like the TLC match with no nothing up there to go grab with a ladder. <laughs> Just the TLC match with the weapon things. Yeah, like they ended up wrestling all around him. It gave me those visuals, like you know how for some reason pro wrestling every time there's some sort of battle royal. Like, people feel the need to, like, on the go-home show or whatever else, send 40 motherfuckers to the ring to show you what a ring full of people look like as if we haven't seen it before. Uh, and, like, seeing them wrestling all around the arena or uh, the ringside or area, whatever you want to call it, like, it made me think of, like, that's probably what they're going to do as, like, a, you know, to diversify, like, the card as far as, like, just entering matches in... I didn't hear about the the match being announced as that until uh, Rampage, but once it happened, I, I was like, "Wow, that's actually what they're doing. That's really cool." So, um, guess the Young Bucks and um, guess all the six of those guys. Another great match to do. It really does. Like it's gonna be awesome. And yeah. like, look, another another one of the like four and a, another one of those great matches that you, Chris will get credit for. While like there's like <laughs> eight motherfuckers in the match, and it's gonna be it's gonna be ma- uh, weapons and stuff. Low-key, yeah. low-key, is Christian and Edge, are they deathmatch wrestlers, too? Yes, yes. <laughs> Tag team yes. deathmatch wrestlers? Yes. Edge is one of those, for sure, one of those, those deathmatch wrestlers on the low. Like, um, But, yeah, that, that's going to be pretty fun. Can't wait for that. Um, then uh, we've got um, – we have a tag match with FTR – uh, taking on Aerostar and Samurai Del Sol, who used to go by Kalisto in WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it could have been a little better. 
Um, obviously, yeah, if they weren't dropping them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there seemed to be like, you know, there's. All right, I feel like in the language of pro wrestling, right? Like they were just like speaking literally a different language, like than these guys. Like mm-hmm. it was like I don't think Aerostar was at his best. Uh, Samurai Del Sol and can't be. Work. He got dropped on his tailbone twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Samurai Del Sol uh, goes back with FTR years and years. Yep. Like they worked together tons of times. So um, <clears throat> I it, FTR ended up getting a win. It was fun for what it was, but thought it could have been better. Yeah. Um. um. I thought that they did. I thought that some of the sales for no near fall for the babyface victory uh, victories were like really good. It reminded me of like the DIY stuff that FTR did in the past of just like they're just great at setting up like babyface near falls that people kick out of and you're like whoa. Um, so uh, it, it just it's like okay, like they're doing this with them. Now they're going to be in there, and it's now like their first real shot at like Lucha Bros. Like they had that match last year, but like that was just a TV match. It wasn't like a pay per view match. Like, let's see it because if you fuck around and only have like a four star match at Lucha Bros, we ain't gonna blame the Lucha Bros. Yeah. Um. So there, there was some some stuff that went on uh, on Twitter after like Samurai Del Sol was uh, saying how he uh, used the strength of Brody Lee or pretty much like welcome him into his house in AEW misspelled his name uh instead of john like j-o-n put j-o-h-n um and it ruffles some feathers it looks like um the whole story with it is uh i i think it was Brody lee's wife that had a had an issue with it backstage to, to where the story goes like they think he was basically trying to use this shit for clout because either there was no like real relationship there, or uh, that she knew they hadn't of. heard yeah, that, that she, she knew, of. knew of, yeah. So like she or she hasn't heard from them or anything like that. So and Jericho essentially was like co-signing that, and mm-hmm. it became a whole and, thing. And on then Twitter. what happened? And then what happened on the internet? Oh, it. it it, it went off on the internet. No, no, no. I'm like, what dropped after that as far as like all that news? And then like, sure enough, you find out months ago, months ago, there's this video Kalisto in an interview with, I think, uh, Chris Van Vliet. And he's talking about like the last time he texted Brody and like how like he had a moment to talk to him or whatever else. And it was, uh, you know, since, you know, he had left WWE or was out of WWE and like he thought it was really a cool moment and he had that moment before he passed. And it's like, Oh, see, so actually didn't know him, and you, y'all, are assholes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I saw that as well. I thought it was just like, man, like, I don't know. It's not Look, too late to still tweet an apology, uh, y'all. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't know them. Like, <laughs> so, like, I'm not like, about to. I'm not about to police her. I'm not about to. I. I jump get it from, on yeah, anybody. Yeah, definitely. I like don't. there, there is definitely something to um, people being married to a public figure, and they pass. And obviously, you know them in ways that like the public will never understand. Mm-hmm. And you know the real person. They only had moments with this person. You had, and now you have to share. Um this person with these people that you may may not know that you may not even like i get that and i understand that like people grieve however they grieve and there's no right way or wrong way to do it um 
but she didn't have to lash out like that. And then Jericho, Jericho added on to the dog pile that he thought was going to happen. It's like, nah, ain't no dog pile over here, bro. Y'all just wrong. Yeah, I, I saw his tweet. I was like, yeah, his name's spelled wrong, but I'm like, his name's spelled wrong. It's John and John. Like, it's an easy, it's a, it's a easy thing to fuck up. But I agree. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. Like, I yeah, Sam brings it up. He said, that's the kind of thing that should be handled privately. Yeah, you would think so. Like, hey. Right, you would think so. Like, this is the thing. He said that tweet. She didn't like it, so she dressed it publicly. She was wrong. But the thing is this, right? Was, is People she can't wrong? exactly is tell she, her she's wrong she, like that. I mean, it's factual. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's going to break bad with her over it. At least, honestly, I don't think oh, anyone should break did, bad with her on yeah, it. Oh, no, no, did. I'm talking about someone like, actually going to see her face to face is what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. But, like, she's wrong. And it is what it is. Like, and I don't really think necessarily there's a villain in this, but like, just it's a situation where like there's a misunderstanding and it sucks. And like, people got overzealous. And like, we talked, we just talked about it. Like, you don't know how every how who everyone knows. You just don't. Yeah. Um. So. Also, uh, you have Paige Van Zent and Jericho listed on here. So Jericho <sighs> had a segment with uh, American Top Team. Mm-hmm. It built up the. Um, they picked Dan Lambert, like I said. Yep. Um, <laughs> he's coming in there to probably take the pen here. You he couldn't believe it. Yeah, he after he, he announced himself uh, the the number one member of American Top Team, and then you know fell right into their. It was a masterful segment, really. Um, and then they were just they were exchanging a lot of words and and fun things. So I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought it was another like hot segment with ATT and in, Inner Circle. Yeah, I just wish they would stop doing the Paige Van Zandt is a whore thing. Like, it's not needed. Like, I understand that obviously they're building towards a spot where Paige Van Zandt slaps the fuck out of Jericho or punches him out or whatever the fuck. I that's fine, but you don't need to go through all of this stuff of saying, like, she'll, you know, get gang-banged by five people on on OnlyFans to, to get to that. Like, she already attacked them early, uh, physically in a match. Yeah. Um, and, then, like, now it, it's, like, it's every week, out there. every it's single week she's out there. And it's like, okay, you're going to do this every week? Every week. Okay. Cool. Um, Sam has a question. He says, "Am I the only one worried about Sammy G's promo development? He has gone backwards, particularly in this feud, since his awesome promo before Blood and Guts." I would say he's not the one that's like the front and center on this, so I'm not gonna judge him on that. Like, I'd rather evaluate him on like his own promos that are his own programs. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'd be more concerned <clears throat> with his promos when he's it's his mic time for his U, uh, I'm going to say US title matches, for his TNT title matches. Um, this is more or less like Jericho does most of the talking in a circle, then it's throw to um, Hager to say his Pete, his, you know, two lines, throw to Santana to say his two lines, throw to Guevara, throw to Ortiz to say their two lines, and that was the gist of it. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried, but um, his comebacks are a lot of saying I'll whoop your ass or calling someone a bitch. It is a lot of that. 
Yeah. It is also it's like because of how he looks is not believable <laughs> at all. But whatever. <laughs> you, sure, you're gonna kick my ass with a six thirty. Fine, guy. Whatever, man. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Um, <clears throat> I I think with this with this feud, there's a lot of um, I don't know how to say this, but there's a lot of outsized energy from both sides because I think we're dealing with MMA fighters and Chris Jericho here. So I think they're going to go to places that are uncomfortable, that are, that, that kind of are not politically correct. I would say, especially looking at like all these people, <laughs> like I, I expect this from, from these people. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what, that's, those are my thoughts on it. Um, yeah. I mean, like all these promos get over like huge, uh, in the arena before they get to the page vans and stuff. So it makes you wonder, like, if you know you already got them in the, in like in your back pocket, why even go there? Yeah, I, I guess that's their, uh, that's, that's their, their way they want to roll with it. But, um, yeah, it is something to, to look out for. And, but I think page vans and has lots of presence on the microphone. Uh, if like, if Tony Khan, I'm sure like is snooping around, like, can I get her with QC for a little bit? Can I can I get her on a contract? Can I get her signed? Uh, because I I would think about doing that for sure. I'd much rather have her with Rosa uh, than than QT Marsh, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. So um, after that, uh, we had this. We had a promo with Darby Allen and MJF, and this was fucking phenomenal. Um, just two of the pillars. You know, stepping up, you know, doing their thing, you know, showing you what Sting versus Ric Flair looks like. You know, y'all y'all like Sting versus Ric Flair, don't you? Like, oh man, yeah, it was great. Like MJF comes out and he says, you know, I've talked about the I coined four pillar singing for AEW here with me and Darby and Jungle Boy and the Guevara, but like, let's be real. It's two. It, me and Darby are the top two of the Thor pillars. Like Guevara and and oh Boy, they're nice, but like they're not us. And I think he says, you know, you want to talk about the difference between me and you. And I can't remember the rest of it, but I, but like it was just so good. And then ultimately they got, they got to fighting. Do you remember the rest of the promo? Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> but it was, I wish I it did. Was it was fantastic. It yeah. was fantastic. It really was. Um, ultimately. Um, Darby is there, um, in the stands and, uh, Darby gets on the mic and says, I tell you, you're not going to break me mentally. Um, and like, he says like, yeah, like I'm going to be calm, but like, I'm whoop your ass right now. And he comes down and, you know, obviously the rest of the pinnacle come down and then like. Sting got goons and, and they show, and they and they kept them at bay. So it's really just uh, MJF and Darby fighting, and they set up this spot to where they're outside, like uh, and there's like a walkway, like an aisleway in the corner, um, where like this you know basically an aisleway where seats aren't, and Darby ends up sitting up uh, MJF over the barricade um, and he takes off charge. And this is a great shot where he basically gets ahead of steam from like 
I don't know, let's say 30 yards and he starts sprinting and then he base him and he ends up like running, spearing, whatever you want to call it, charging through and following through and taking him and MJF going ass over tea kettle over the barricade onto the mat at the ringside area. And it was just a fantastic shot. And it was just like, yo, like this thing in like, I don't know, five weeks, six weeks, four weeks. I don't know when the hell it started. Like this thing is like more personal than the fucking main event title match has been built towards with a storyline for two years. And I was just like, this is an excellent. Like they're gonna have, a, we already know they're gonna have a great match. Like this is fantastic. This is fantastic. So yeah, like yeah, man. Shout out um, to both of them. This is awesome. Yeah, it was like, man. I, I every time like you know you, you see people say a lot of dumb dumb things about MJF um, on Twitter, and I think some people are extremely worked. He's a standard rate heel. Yeah, and, right. and extremely gotten to uh, about All he him. does is cut cheap heat promos on cities. Yeah, like, no. This guy is, like, this is a look at the next 25 years, like, and the way he, he can he can wrestle like an old man now if he wants to. So what's he going to be able to do when he's old? Still talk probably just as sharp or better. So he's going to be the same fucking guy. Like, um... It, there are people that I will, you know, I won't name them, but they were saying, "Who would you rather have, MJF or Braun Breaker?" I'm sorry, I'll take MJF. Um, <laughs> like, I don't, it was, it was just, you know, y'all got to watch who's sending these tweets out. You know, y- y'all got to be, be conscious of, of who's sending out this filth on net on the net. We're talking about someone who's already closed pay per views. We're talking about someone who has like you know a rolodex of great matches like in this company a bunch of promos someone that's going to be a world champion within like you know the next year i would say um he's fucking phenomenal and then you already know how i feel about darby allen like i feel like he's the guy that should be wrestling for the belt next saturday um fortunately he's not but he's doing something else and you know that's just lit like so um he'll he'll keep you know on his journey and you know everything else but uh mjf and darby allen another you know one to add uh for tk here um you know having the foresight to put these guys together they were you know they they wrestled jericho and punk uh last pay-per-view and then hey let's bring these dudes together and you know you want to talk about how people would be overshadowed these guys ain't getting over overshadowed yeah yeah, um, just what they do is really great. What they've done is really great over the span of like less. Like when was let's see, he didn't start until after he got done with um, uh, what's Pillman his name? Junior. Pillman Junior. At, in New York City or at Arthur Ashe. So like this is literally like a at most a six week thing. Right, and Darby was 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 messing around like with the pinnacle a little bit. Like he went through Sean Spears and FTR, and then it led up to MJF. So it's all like kind of interwoven there. Yeah. Um, we had Orange Cassidy taking on Miro, who was John Mosley's replacement. Or excuse me, I skipped a part. Um, Cody and Andrade had a match light years better than um, Cody's. Like they, they used to work really well together. Yeah, um, they were hitting, they were moving, they were working. Hey man, remember when people said that Andrade had to prove something? <laughs> remember that? Remember that like a month ago, two months ago? Remember that? 
like, if you've seen it before, don't doubt that it just fucking vanished, or don't act like it just fucking vanished out of thin air. Like, I I don't know why people would ever think that Andrade like lost the ability to be a hard worker or or have great matches. Like, that dude's incredible. The dude's incredible. Um, and him and Cody, they went out there, um, and they had a great match. And, um, also earlier in the show, there was a backstage, like a pre-taped vignette type of deal or not, not necessarily being but a pre-taped, uh, promo in the dark with, uh, Malachi. And he t- said like, Tony Khan is a fool. Like he banned me from ringside thinking that I was going to interfere, but like, gotta let you know, know something like when, uh, when they assassinated Caesar, it was, it it wasn't one person. Um, and like that's also a play on way back. I don't know if you remember this, but way back, like going to the Jake the Snake and Archer thing with Cody. Um, Jake, the first person I remember alluding to uh, Cody as being Caesar. Mm-hmm. So like that's a deep pullback, like fucking two thousand twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. In the middle of his match. The lore. Uh, <laughs> this is the good lore. Um, like, so you're left for, you're, you're wondering, like, who's he talking about? And then you remember, and then, like, you know, by the end, Cody goes for, I think he goes for a, 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 a plancha through the ropes. Or not plancha through, a tope through the ropes. And um, underneath the ring is FTR with the AAA tag belts. And the hard ass belts. He runs to the belts. Uh, and Andrade ends up getting away with the hammerlock or some version of his modified version of hammerlock DDT. I forgot because he changed because of Ty Conti, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like and MJF sold them boys, uh, right? And, and, Again, like, yes, you know, like DiBiase, you know, yeah, outsourcing the work, <laughs> you know, the, passing off the De Niro. Yeah, you know. he did. He actually said De Niro. He's like, yo, it's yeah. a De Niro, and he's like, he's like. He's like, nah, two. He's like, here's here's your one envelope. He's like, nah, two. And then like, yes, give him two. <laughs> Shit was funny. Like, I really like, uh, I really like this idea of of yes, they're heels, and obviously in a lot of wrestling, you can just say, of course, of course, they're teaming together. They're heels, and they, and they hate the good guys, so let them just team up. But like, the idea is like they buying and selling. They're buying. Yes, they're buying. They're Going into arrangements over money, and there's a reason for why they're actually doing this besides they're evil, so they're just going to link up on some Legion of Doom type shit. So, like, that, that's also, it's a little, uh, this is a little bit extra. That, so, uh, so it's cool. Um, and, and then, like, from a practical standpoint, it gives you a reason to see, like, why FTR is kind of leaving the Darby Allen feud alone. Yeah. Um, why, you know, and, and it kind of, you know, goes into the Lucha Bros. Yeah, uh, that's what thing. I'm getting to, right? So look at look at what Andrade has going on. Like he's not wrestling much, he's not promoing much, but he's in. But right now he's involved in a lot of shit, right? Like he has this thing with with the uh, with Death Triangle, right? So with Pac, and then with the Lucha Bros. So he's outsourced to um, MJF to go fuck with. Um, the Lucha Bros. So, take your you know your AAA titles or whatever else, and they're no more contenders. 
so now you have FTR like you know basically doing the work for basically doing goon work for for two you know mob bosses more or less. Um, and then like I like it. I like yeah, it. and then you have like whatever is going to become of like the former NXT champions of Andrade and and um. Malachi, I, like I, so, he's, I think that's the start of some like some type of, like, That's gonna be I, some. That's gonna be I some. Hope group. they make them a unit. I, that's gonna I be hope, some group. Like I, I, ju- I just want to see like the fly suits and then like the the satanic shit, like all <laughs> all, all, all mixed in. You know, like the gumbo. No, nah, but look, you even gotta. Get, they don't have to change much. You know, how he has that 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 black skull mask. Yeah, just have him come out there when they're playing the Untruce. <laughs> Run it. <laughs> Yes, I'm. Yeah, I'm with it. You don't see this black mask all I'm wearing. Yeah, I'm with this antenna shit. Yeah. So Floyd said FTR beating up on Cody almost broke. Um, broke him. Uh, well, Floyd, I got something to tell you. That bill came due. You know. Yeah. Co- Cody. Cody been saying fuck the revival for a long time. So like, you know, they was bound to whoop that man ass. You know, yeah. at some point. Yeah. Shot that took this long. <laughs> long form storytelling, yeah. So like that's all really cool that Andrade, you know, because uh, there's been there's been a lot of talk for like the people that have came in and people have this talk for like especially for CM Punk, like mm-hmm. what is Atlas he doing? He just wrestling matches, or whatever else. Like with the Daniel with the uh, Danielson thing, uh, they're kind of like they understand that like he had a match with the champion and now he's building up his contendership or whatever else to get back to the champion or Kenny Omega or whatever else. Um, with Andrade, they can't say that because they see what's going on right now. Um, so yeah, like Adam Cole, they obviously see what's going on with the Super Click and like the Young Bucks are like treating him way better than they ever treated Adam Page. Um, so like yeah, like in petition that means like that's his, that's the way to get Kenny Omega um turn back face. Mm-hmm. It's like. We, you know, we need the super click, not the elite. Bow. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, um, so there's a lot of stuff thing. going on with all the new people they brought in. They've implemented and they're all doing something like really cool. Uh, so yeah, like, I mean, what I'd like to see Lucha Bros more, obviously. What I'd like to see, um, Private Party or whatever. Yeah. But like the people that they brought in, that they made priority, doing well with them in like, like, this was the week for me where, like, it hit me, like, I can't wait to see this pay-per-view. Like, I knew it was coming, but I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But, like, let's get to, let's get to, um, let's get to the main event, actually. Sorry. Yeah. Orange Cassidy and taking on Miro. Miro replaces John Moxley. We're going to do a full gear preview Thursday. Yeah. Um, in full rundown of the car, we're going to. You know, do a full full court yeah. press on it, um, but just out of the strength, of, we had a lot to get to this week with WWE. Just drop more releases on it, you know, or else we could have did it today. Um, but yeah, Orange Cassidy and Miro, they got about ten minutes to do their thing. Um, and if that, yeah, if that, right? <laughs> then they come back with when it was like nine fifty, yeah, nine fifty interests and go and going off the air. Um, yeah, yeah, it, they had a hell they, they of a match. Most of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought Orange Cassidy was great, uh, in this and like, he's, uh, quickly like, like I said a long time ago, like he was a master at what he does. Like as far as just understanding, you know, his gimmick and working harder, not smarter, knowing when to pick it up, when to put it down. And Miro's obviously like a whirlwind of, of fire right now. Um, and 
he's he's getting a spot seemingly Moxley was going to get. So mm-hmm. uh, instead of Danielson and Moxley, we're going to get Danielson and Miro. Uh, but yeah, this match was awesome too. Yeah, this match was great. They made the they made the most of the time they had. Like if this match had like t- five more minutes, you can you probably could have expected some of the shenanigans from. Orange Cassidy, but knowing they didn't have the time, they had to get straight to the heart of uh, what they were trying to get accomplished of babyface in peril with an injury working uh, this embattled monster who has like one flaw and right now that's his neck. And um, he is sell- um, Orange Cassidy is selling and fighting, you know, fighting to try to survive just to get to a, a point where he can fight back. And once he fights back, like, um, it's great in like the thing with Miro is like he's he's gotten to that obviously he's not the same level of worker as these guys but like he's gone to that Brock Lesnar Walter phase where like his dude is like an impenetrable tank that doesn't feel human and then all of a sudden like the Russian is cut and like the crowd realizes it and he starts like he starts selling for like the fucking nosebleeds the way he bumbling around and just drop to a knee and get up and all this and like it's so good, and the crowd just wants so bad for Orange Cassidy to beat this fucking guy, and he and then he shuts the door. Or actually, um, Orange Cassidy's getting the breach break on the bad neck and the kick out, and then um, you know he goes to answer and he gets cut Cassidy. off, and Miro yeah. closes the door on him and, and uh, with the Moshka kick or whatever <laughs> he's calling it now that, that jumping super kick, and then he reaches all the way back with the old um, accolade. And on on the bad uh, ribs and all that kind of stuff, and he had to tap out. I thought it was a fantastic match uh, for the amount of time it went. Like if this match went longer, <laughs> like you know, we're talking one of the better matches in uh in AEW this year. So yeah, like I thought for what they were going for, it was a slam duck success. And um, I can wait to see Miro versus uh, versus Bryanson. Bryanson did it again. Fuck Danielson. Like it's gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be really good. Yep. Um, so, uh, also, I forgot to mention, like, Hangman came to save Alan Angels. That's right. Um, after, um, and from a beat down w- after went, the match. Yep. And Kenny was going to fucking kill him. And then he ducked out the way of the buckshot lariat, ran out the ring with the belt or left the belt there. Hangman grabbed it, cut a short promo, said, You got 10 days. Um, Kenny looked scared and like a bitch. And, you know, Several other other uh, adjectives you you want to add in there? Yeah. Did, did this inspire you at all, James? Uh, it was fine. I didn't hate it. I, I thought it was fine. <clears throat> um, now I know that this coming uh, episode of Dynamite, they're going to do a contract signing, so they'll actually they're actually going to get that face face I've been asked about for like two weeks. So, um, this is their time. To, this is their time to get the. This is this is their. L- uh, was a closing statements before it's yeah. time to have the match. Like I'm not concerned about the match. Match is gonna be great. I, yeah. I'm not concerned about the match. Match is gonna be great. I I just want to see how they build anticipation over this you know this short stretch before the pay per view because I feel like this is the time they put the cherry on top or the final touches on um, this chapter of this and like they still got a chance to, they got still got a chance to get it all the way right. Uh, or not all the way right, but all the way perfect for lack of a better word. That's the word. That's the way to put it. Cause it's already damn good, but I, I, it, it could be perfect and they're close to it. Yep. So on rampage, we had uh Brian Danielson versus Anthony Bowens. So Max Caster came out to the ring, did one of his better verses yes. um, that he's done on yes. AEW and um, <laughs> said, 
<laughs> I forgot the exact line. He was like, I'm ending careers like your father-in-law. Yep. Um, so well, I hope Thanksgiving is awkward and all this other shit. And uh thought it was pretty cool. Um, then, you know, him and Bowens had a, had a solid match. I, I wouldn't, I would say on the lower end of the downs and matches, but yeah, uh, but Bowens, it was a very good match. Yeah, in a vacuum, yeah, Bowens showed, a, showed a lot, I think yeah. uh, of, of his like technical ability and uh, willingness to, to get hit hard. Um, so yeah, I I thought that was like you know a, a positive there and gets Danielson another win to add to you know run it up. Yeah, um, really good match. Was impressed by Bowens. Uh, Bowens appears to be uh, a lot farther ahead than um than Caster, but um that's just what match. But it was really cool to see him go um to get that you know go that length with you know. One of the best wrestlers in the world, obviously. So that was really cool. Um, one thing I'd like to point out um, in that is that Bryanson, Danielson, I did it again. Rich, you know how long that match went? I would say 12 minutes, maybe. It went nine minutes. Okay. Do you think that? Danielson is in trouble for the rest of his career because he went nine minutes with Anthony Bones. <laughs> I do not. Okay, just just, just want to make sure. I do not. Just um, want to make sure. You know, this is the end. He need to fold it up. You know, you know, throw him over the banister. <laughs> I mean, you know, he even you reused the finish to beat him. He didn't even beat him with a new finish. Yeah. You yeah. know, he only I, used the I, first of five finishes he had. You know, I, I think you have to be really concerned about yeah. Brian Danielson going forward. See, you know? uninspired effort, uninspired effort. You know, it's just just don't know if he's just going to be at the level that yeah. you know he's capable of anymore. Now that you know, after nine minutes in the ring, he should have been able to get his guy out of there a lot faster. Yeah. Um. You know, I I, I just don't know if I see see yeah. the same thing in him anymore. Yeah. Like, but. It was classic babyface wrestling. Like, there's a guy at ringside fucking with, uh, fucking with the the babyface, and like during this during the span of the match, that babyface wipes out the, the shitty heel on the outside while while beating the heel in the ring. It was just like that's 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 how you treat a top guy. That's how you treat top babyface. Yeah. Oh, also I wanted to mention. Um. So Floyd tagged me in something like at the end of this match, kind of leading into the Kingston match, that kind of got me distracted here. Like. Someone like wanted to, some Stan account tried to screenshot something like an old tweet of mine where I said Max Caster is already better than Young John Cena because he stays on beat when he's rapping. Yeah. So that got into the hands of like your Stan Twitter accounts, and they tried to ratio me, but they couldn't because I John Cena st- has been caught at that time not rapping on beat. Yes, like yeah. the two, 2003 Royal Rumble for sure mm-hmm. or whatever, which I ended up talking with one person that did it and was like, I didn't know that. And then, you know, they had to switch that from there. But um, I like they took a screenshot of me. So I retweeted the screenshot and said, if you think uh, John Cena raps better than Matt, Matt Cassidy, you're smoking crack cocaine. And then like all my followers refuse to let me get ratioed. So uh, I just want to let y'all stand uh, Twitter know that you fought with the wrong one. Like you cannot ratio this, you know, you like, you can't cancel me. You know, it, it, it's not, it's not possible. You know, I'm, t- I'm too, too hard too too represented, you know, in, in these streets and done too much work, you know, 
uh, you know, 30 years of my career, you know, to die to get into this game. That's not the person I'd be emulating for that one. That's that's not the one I that's not the one I'd go with. That's not the one I'd go with. I I'd, I'd reach in the club and grab a different uh I'd reach in the bag and grab a different club for you. Yeah. But uh yeah, they they, they try to get your boy out there. Shout out to Floyd tagging me in that foolishness so so I could see, you know, the the foolishness that was going around and then uh you know, I don't know who I was talking to. Obviously, you never do when you're dealing with the stands. So, um, or the so internet, was, or the internet. So it was pretty funny. Like I don't know, I'll put my face on it. Okay, so I think the next thing was the CM Punk uh, Kingston thing, right? And and I say that because they ruined my first uh, viewing oh, of man. this. Do you rewatch it? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man, uh, this might have been the best talking segment uh, in AEW this year. Um, Punk comes out after, you know, saying on Dynamite that he was going to come face to face with Kingston. Um, Kingston comes out. Kingston is furious that he's been brought into this mess. Um, And Punk more or less is like, I was in the middle of talking to Shivani. Why would you cut me off? What is your problem? And Kingston's like, oh yeah, he says he wants an apology. And Kingston's like, bro, are you serious right now? You want an apology? An apology. Like, he, in my mind, I'm thinking like, like is his dad? Pra- practice. Like, we're talking about practice. Like, an apology for interrupting you? How? And he's like, heaven forbid I ruined the great CM Punk. Who do you think you're God? Like, in my mind, he's like giving off that fuck you and everything you stand for vibe. And I was like, this is great. This is great. Like, I don't know where this is headed, but this is great. So then it turns into something I had no, no knowledge about, about them all inter- having interactions with in the early 2000s and in the indies and possibly Ring of Honor. I don't know. But it gets brought up about um, guys like you've always looked down upon me um, and, you know, turn your nose with me, like, you guys, like, Samoa Joe and Homicide and, and everything, and, I'm, and that's what made me think, like, early 2000s of Ring of Honor that I, didn't, I had no clue about. Uh, so, um, Punk says, if you thought that, that we were turning up our nose on you, it wasn't that, it's because, like, we all saw talent in you, and, like, we also were mad at you because we knew you were going to squander it, and it was like, <laughs> You were a bum. <laughs> Can't do this. I can't do the Kawhi Leonard laugh, but like <laughs> one, one of those. Uh, in like, so now, so now, like, Kingston is fucking furious. <laughs> Gets all up in the man's face. Yeah, uh, you have yeah. Tell me what Kingston said in response. I can't remember without, because Bro, like, he said, he said, "What will you like look at me because I'm fat?" You know, yeah. because I'm like, you know, because I like to eat a little bit because yeah. I got a belly, like because I didn't become friends with the booker. That's right. Know? That's right. So so then. So then that's when the punk said the line about like, you know, we thought all we thought all this is you and you could you could live up to your potential, all that stuff. And then we all realized, like, you're a bum bitch. I about <laughs> fell out my chair and died when that look, bro, I don't look. I almost, I almost spilt onto the floor, and you couldn't get, you couldn't get me up from with a cup. That's how fucking ruined I was when he called that man a bum. Look, bro. I, I, after that, like it all got kind of fuzzy because I don't remember much. Because I was just like, I can't believe he called this man a bum on national live television. I'm fucking done, bro. To his face. So then they, then they kind of got together. 
uh, face to face, uh, and they, you know, they said they're gonna have a match, and then uh, Kingston said, uh, you know what, like once I'm done with you, like don't come back, like or stay retired or whatever else or something. Yeah, like for that. another seven years. Yeah, don't, yeah, and then he, uh, he, he gave him the punk gave him a a, a, a headbutt, and then uh, Geeks assembled to break them up, and then they had multiple breakings from um, the the bondage of Geeks to come together again and they got pulled apart one one or two more times but yeah it was excellent television and like i think the thing that was really i think the thing that made it better was the fact that like they talked over each other it was a small bits of awkwardness is like two people that are heated at each other arguing in front of a bunch of people um it wasn't like your turn my turn your turn my turn um like they were yelling at each other mad and angry and um yeah man like it was it was really it was, it was really good um yeah, I was um, I was hype, and I was like, man, like it, it's good to see two guys that can really think on their feet and and, and do it on the fly and uh, respond back and forth to each other. And it it was crazy how they even shot it. Like one was standing like in the far corner, the other one was diagonal to him, and like it was like they weren't interested corner, in. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't interested in being in each other's faces until it right. was just too fucking real. They like, weren't concerned. Then, they weren't concerned about getting the best shot for television. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, man. So, like, um, the um, also, yeah, um, the the other part, uh, Dylan brought it up. Punk said something like Eddie's speed was more dark or dark elevation. That's not, right. Not the that's right. You know? And that's also like why I fucking lost it. Cause I was like, is this man reading from my script? <laughs> Cause you know, I say all these things about like when you are someone that takes a beating on, uh, on dynamite or rampage or pay-per-view like, bro, you gotta, you gotta take your ass to like dark and like, and, and, and get some wins against unranked opponents. Like when I, you know, like same thing with Minoru Suzuki. I better not never see Minoru Suzuki on uh, AEW television or pay per view again until that man goes on dark and gets improves himself. I need to see a four game winning streak in in non conference. So, yeah. so yeah, like uh, Kingston's a, Kingston, another person is like he's a he's a jobber to the stars and like he can always prom, promo himself into out of bad situations with his, Bro, as far as his win loss record. Um, just Man, like how he did la- a, like about a year ago, that's how he got in the championship match, right? Like he had just lost and he had got himself, you know, able to talk, right? Um, with Moxley <laughs> with that great segment. So yeah, like that's special talent, man. Um, and like I don't know what a Kingston Punk match will look like. I think in order for it to be very good, like it'll t- be physically demanding on Punk in a way that he hasn't had a match in a long time, maybe since Brock Lesnar. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, love, but, um, yeah, I, I don't see if he wants to, to take those match. shops. I think he'll take the shops. I'm more concerned about like, uh, like taking the suplexes and shit. Really? Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know so- what? Kingston could have been really mad. He could have also been pissed off because he probably could have watched, he probably, he may have watched that starting pay-per-view and saw like the stretch plump being used and was like, how fucking dare they use some Kawada shit on my watch? Um, but then we got um, also um, in the uh, the main event uh, was yeah. Adam Cole versus John Silver and the Bud shit got over. Um, 
I don't even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. I had no idea. I was like, what is this? I, it, I, it sounds goofy, whatever. They're going to have yeah. a match. It's going to be good. That's all I really care about. What yeah. What does Budge mean? I'm guessing like, it's some BTE shit. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it'll play on the whole thing. Like, they wanted to cut Adam Cole's hair and make him, like, and change his look and make him a manager uh-huh. for, and change his name to Budge for the Dark Order. Like, Okay. Gotcha. So, so playing off of the... Yeah, a man meeting allegedly. Okay, so they get in the ring and they just start having a match, and then you know they go to a commercial break and they come back, and it's like all of a sudden it starts getting real fucking good. And then like I bid on a near fall uh, that silver. Was it when he grabbed the low blow? Yes. Okay. Yes, and then like he hit like some move like when John Silver starts opening up the offense. So fucking exciting. Like, and I don't think Cole necessarily even has great offense, but he knows where to be. I've talked about it on the show before. Like, he knows where to be. Um, and it's just his timing's excellent. I um, think he has I don't know. I I would agree he doesn't necessarily have great offense because he's not like he's a pump kicker and a super kicker, right? Like he's not some guy and he'll he'll throw, you know, he'll he'll exchange forearms, but like it's not like he's exactly like Shuri. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, or he's not exactly like he's freaking like Ma- Malachi Black when it's like all this offense of just devastating And he's, and he's not some great athlete or yeah. anything like that. He's a like great he's, wrestler. He's yeah. a great wrestler. And like, I mean, it, it's no knock against him. Like, because not everybody has it. Not everybody does that particular brand of hyperactive wrestling or whatever else. But like, mm-hmm. when he's in there with Silver and Silver's doing it with him and he's selling like crazy for the dude, like it was awesome. Yep. Um, yeah, the crowd was like coming up. Like I, I feel like you know sometimes you see those ripples in the mm-hmm. crowd, like where they're, where they're standing up and cheering, and they were getting that in this match. Um, they, you know, he ended up getting a win with uh, I believe he hit that uh, Panama Sunrise last shot uh, deal. But uh, this was excellent. Like, uh, I'm trying to think, I don't know. Did he actually hit the Panama Sunrise? So I know there was I a spot. I know there was a spot like after the. Um, after that whole run with where he where Silver thwarts the the low blow, he hits his own low blow and gets a near fall. Where like Cole, you know, gets advantage and he goes to the corner for it. Actually, and then, yeah, like, yeah. And then he like, gets caught. and then yeah, he catches him in the Alabama slam or something like that. And then like Cole, and then he goes like he's about to yeah, he goes to the opposite corner. Alabama or no, not Alabama slams. He basically like hurls him into the corner. Goes to the opposite corner, comes running in, hits one move, goes to the opposite corner again, charges in again, and then Cole takes his head off with a super kick. And then I think he super kicks him like almost like a buzzsaw kick, except a super kick again. Uh, and then he hits the last shot and gets the W. Right, right. Yeah, something like that. Some, but yeah, this was this was excellent. Yeah. Um, makes you want to see John Silver get more. Yep. Um, I don't How know what happened. Do we know? I can look it up. I think he's in his late twenties, if I had to guess. Maybe twenty nine, if I had to guess. Like I always enjoy watching that dude. He's he's fucking good. <laughs> he, is, he just turned thirty. Okay, so he just missed. So so he just missed the magical magical cut to be a pillar, huh? <laughs> All right. Okay, I see so how it is. Unfortunately, he has to go in the Cole Andrade Hangman age group. Okay. Okay. So can we call them the Golden Generation? I don't know. Oh man, uh, yeah, man, but yeah, it was a uh, for for oh a one hour show. It gave you a lot. It gave you a lot. Um, 
there were also two other matches involved in that. Uh, it was, um, I think it was Jamie Hader versus, or was it, or was it, um, was it Jamie Hader in the match or was it? Jamie uh, Hader wrestled on Dynamite. She okay, wrestled. So, so it was Red Velvet then. It was Red Velvet on Red Velvet beat the bunny. Yeah. Uh, um, made sure it worked over. Um, there was another match. What was that? What was that second match? Anna Jay and Jamie Hader. Okay. That's a list match. Um, but they uh, set up a big six-woman tag next week where it's just like whole segment listed, as they would say. Um, I think it is Thunder Rosa, Anna Jay. I'd have to look, but it's Red a big six-woman I imagine. Um, Tay Conti, I think, against okay. like Britt Baker, the Rebel, Jamie Hayter. If I'm not mistaken, okay. But um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be something to look at. So, um, but I guess uh, there's only one thing left to do, James. Here, so um, hit the music. So, um, on Wednesday, last Wednesday, uh, Stardom had their, uh, had another pay-per-view, uh, the Kawasaki Super Wars. Um, it was a very good show. I don't know if I'd call it great, but it was a very good show. Um, what were your thoughts on it, uh, for what you've watched of it, Rich? Same. Um, I, I didn't get, like, leap off the page, like, pump your fist, uh, stuff, uh, I would say, but everything was was solid enough. Uh, I really got into, hate to say it, the high speed title match. Thought it was awesome, and then like you know, uh, the finish went how it went. But I really enjoyed the main event. Uh, I would say I thought it was the best match on the show by far. I agree. And um, just Utami, I thought Hazuki. I, this is the best match I've ever seen of Hazuki's. Um, mm. She she felt like a, a fully formed like main event wrestler like and the cool thing about her that I think that she adds is like her size and her former like high speed ability mm-hmm. like uh, being in there is something different than like what Mayu or Tam does I think yeah. or uh, Utami so it's like when she's coming off with the victory rolls and all that it's like oh you can actually believe what she is putting together she's technically like excellent. And she comes off the like she'll jump off the top rope or yeah um like she she has an air of athleticism to her it's not like she's falling off the ropes so yeah, <laughs> yeah like she um she used to do the the uh the freaking pock red arrow and then like she did it three times she landed at one time another time she completely missed her target. And then uh, one time she landed on Starlight Kid's head, and like when she landed on Starlight Kid's head, she's like, "Nope, no, she never, she's never done it again." But she can do it. Uh, yeah, like she's that kind of athlete. Like, and that's the thing that and that's the reason like we talked about it when the preview is like, if she is any bit like she will, if she more or less is still herself, it's gonna be a fantastic match um, because of like the level of skill she has, the versatility she has as a wrestler, and. Um, they told the appropriate appropriate story for it, so we'll, let's go through the card. Um, the opener is uh, Rock for the uh, versus Lady C for the uh, future belt. Um, not a not a good match. Wouldn't expect to be a good match um, between Rock and Lady C, but you see like Lady C 
is figuring some things out and you can see like that if she's with someone that's also very good or, or good, she can be carried to a good match. But Rock is in, in like, I think a four minute thing, like she's not going to give that to you. But, uh, either way, um, Rock ends up winning. Um, yeah, I don't, maybe, I don't really have much on this one. Yeah. It was just kind of here. You watch this? Yeah. I watched, oh. I watched everything <laughs> on the show. Except the oh the actual other time limit draw the Don Doman over the stars I didn't watch that match and then oh that match is like great. it was a draw that match yeah. is good as fuck um okay I'm surprised you watched that I I okay so uh yeah so after that after that match and I guess we got to talk about this um on the pre show on the pre show they had a dark match one dark match between um Mai and Waka Waka um and Mai ends up winning. And then all of a sudden, a mystery person in a mask and a wig comes out in a jumpsuit with a sledgehammer, comes to the ring, and lays both of them out with, with, with the sledgehammer. Not Triple and H. Apparently, no. Not tall enough to be Triple H. Not buff enough to be Triple H. Uh, so, um, I mean, it could have been. We ain't seen Triple H anywhere else. So, you know. I, I don't think that he like lost like six inches of height. I don't think so. Uh, or more than six inches height. Eight inches height. But uh, yeah, so um, that was a pre-show. So first match that happens is with Rocka and, uh, and Lady C. So my, she hits the ro- she hits the ring. Alice for, t- for a title match for the future belt. And then Rocka hits the ring and says, I want a shot for the title belt. Rocka says, I'll fight both you geeks and beat you. <laughs> So they're in a triple threat match um, at the Tokyo Super Wars uh, on the 27th in um, in November in a few weeks. So uh, next match after that was uh, the only tag league match on the card. Uh, it was ladies, not Lady C. It was um, Death and Saki versus Hannon and Rena. Uh, and Rena is also in Oedo Tai, just like Saki and Death are. Uh, but Rena is sisters with Hannah, who's in Stars. Stars in Oedo Tive had beef all throughout uh, the the beginning of 2021. Uh, ultimately, it led to uh, the faction versus faction matches that end up uh, netting um, Oedo Tive death, and then later on, Starlight Kid. Man, uh, like, and so, what pickups? Like, yeah, like they lost. Me. hurting. Like B Priestley Lee. Well. We'll talk about it after well, what happened. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, they have this match, and it's like, okay, so the sisters are going to fight to each other versus the two uh, adults. Uh, not so fast. Rena constantly throughout this match just turns on her her older sister, and them three uh, proceed to waylay the shit out of, <laughs> out of Hannon. They, they actually, hilarious, uh, you know, uh, Def does, you know, start smoking packs on people in the middle of the match. Uh, they had, after they turned on, um, after Rena turned on Hannon, uh, they all stepped on Hannon and, uh, Def took a squat and then Saki took a squat and they started smoking that pack. And then next thing you know, 14 year old <laughs> Rena takes a squat and she starts air smoking too. And the ref was like, oh, hell no. It took, Took the air sig out of her hand and flicked it out of the ring. I howled at how stupid this was. Um, but they, you know, ultimately, Hannah makes a comeback on her own. And uh, eventually, 
Rena starts to get back on Hannah's good side before eventually there's a malfunction at the junction at the junction and Hannah accidentally hits Rena after Rena has turned on her earlier in the match and Rena says, you know what, fuck you again, turns on her and then the and then the, the uh Oedotai heels, all three of them conspire to put away Hannon and uh they they pin her and Hannon is after she gets out the ring and tries to look around to find her sister to figure out why why it was just a dumb county match. It was fun though. Yeah, I, I didn't remember this one either. Like I so I watched this one like uh last week and then I watched the last four matches uh today. So okay. um didn't remember, but yeah. It was came and went. It, yeah. it was short. Yeah. So the next match after that was a triple threat match between uh what I'm thinking of. I'm oh yeah, Mina, Mina the, yes, the Mina, uh Kamatani and Micah and match starts and obviously you know the rivalry between uh Mina not Mina but um Micah and uh Kamatani that's been going on for about a year now ever since they were both you know fighting over the the future belt and then they were both in the final of the Cinderella tournament this year and they had a match in the Grand Prix this year so and I'll say the last pay-per-view when they were both on opposite sides of the trios tag belt matches match um, Micah pinned um, Kamatani. So they're in the ring, and you know they're both, you know, top ten in the in the company, top ten uh, positions in the company, holding those positions in the company. And uh, you see uh, Mina in there, and Mina is you know the the, the do or die fight baby face that takes a lot of L's, but um, she is uh been rapidly improving over the last I don't know let's say eight months so she sticks her hands out to both of them the high five to handshake both of them and Saya and Micah ignore her to handshake each other and that pissed off Mina and Mina then begins to kick stomp both of them in the gut and starts open up the offense and she hits the ropes she uh, and they both avoid her. She hits her other side of the ropes, and they and she's coming back. So she goes to they go to put their arms together, go double clothesline her, and Mina grabs both their arms and then literally sends both of them to do the Mina pose with her. So <laughs> all three of them are doing the Mina pose. Uh, Kamatani is with it, like yeah, I'm, yeah, that's cool, I'm with it. And like Micah's like a fish out of water, like what the fuck is this? What am I doing? What is happening? Uh, Kamatani gets up, uh, kicks Mina, uh, and they proceed to start working spots with each other. They end up doing it, getting a moment where, um, they have Kamatani at the ring. So it's Mina and it's Micah. They're throwing, uh, exchanging forearms. And then, uh, in comes off of a springboard into the, into the ring. You get Kamatani hitting a drop kick and off and basically like bouncing off of the drop kick onto Micah. Hits a crossbody on Mina all in a minute, all in one fluid motion. It was cool. Um, there's there's another spot where um, Micah has uh, Kamatani up on the second rope, about to give a second rope uh, um, superplex, and Mina comes in for the Tower of Doom spot, and she ends up, you know, it looks like she power bonded, but really, you know what happened? Like she just fell back. Uh, so um, then. Later in the match, they end up getting Mike Mina keeps getting 
Micah, not Dr. Ring. Um, so it's just Kamatani and Mina. And Mina ends up hitting a, uh, a spike DDT off the, t- uh, uh, where instead of like the Randy Orton through the middle ropes off the top rope. Um, almost gets the pin, but Micah comes in and breaks up the pin with a, with a move. Uh, ends up hitting, instead of breaking the pin to hit Mina, ends up hitting Kamatani. Micah then hits her with a capo kick to knock her out the ring. And then she hits her, her, her implant DDT, the big, you know, like the, Jake the Snake DDT and gets the win. Yep. Uh, so, um, you know, the last night of the main, the last night of the Grand Prix, she got the win over Nassapoy. Or let me, let me retract and go further back. Um, at the start of the Grand Prix, at the press conference, after she had lost the future belt to Unagi, she said that, like, she wanted to challenge Tam for the white belt. So, the last night of the Grand Prix, she beats Nassapoy after she had also did um, commentary. Uh, then she uh, Osaka Joe Hall show. She didn't. She didn't get pinned. Um, it was Mai that got pinned, or Walk. I can't. Remember. I think it was Mai. So then here she beats the two sen- or she wins a she in a three way a triple threat match with the three, with. The- with the two Cinderella finalists and pins a Cinderella winner. Um, so, uh, to be continued. So then you end up getting a tag match between Hameka and Nasapoi versus Mayu and Kaguma. And this match was fun. Uh, is it is 15 minutes of two high or two high speed wrestlers. And then it's Mayu versus Hameka. And like, it was, it was so many cool moments in this match, but um, it starts out with Kaguma and Nasupoi. Then Mayu gets in, and then you end up at this moment where you know you kind of get when you watch enough uh, starting matches, like you know, like closing stretch when like there's gonna be no more tags in this. It's gonna come down to these final two. Uh, you end up getting that between Hameka and Mayu, and like Hameka is coming up with all these different power bomb variations to get Mayu to fuck out of there. And Mayu keeps throwing it or kicking out. <laughs> um, so there's a moment in the match where like, uh, sorry, uh, Hameka is beating the shit out of, uh, Mayu and has her basically like, like with her hands on her knees, like just lean down. And then out of, out of nowhere from out of the camera frame into the camera frame comes, Kaguma like leapfrogging over Mayu to give a bulldog to Hameka and it looked awesome and it looked like she, she was shot out of a cannon. Um, there's there's a a tag team combination spot where Hameka gets uh, the opponent up in the corner and she's about to like give a power bomb, uh, but she's close to the rope so Nasipoi gets up on the top rope and is going to give a crossbody so it's going to be like a crossbody combination power bomb follow through power bomb. So this is the first time I've ever seen it. Um, apparently they did it early, earlier shows that weren't up on the on up yet, but they go to do it and right as she does it, like in perfect time, like she missed she missed making connection con- or uh Mayu goes for her karana and misses like the crossbody by like a hair. Um and that's point misses, she rolls all the way to the other side of the ring, and uh Mayu gets around a cradle and um Kameka kicks out. Um, so later as they continue going, like Hameka gets her up for the power for just a big, uh, sit out power bomb. 
Mayu kicks, and then perfectly timing as they go to the 15 minute draw, like Hameka gets Mayu up one last time for a third and final power bomb. Where actually, I take it back for a fourth power bomb. There's actually a spot where they actually do connect the crossbody power bomb, um, and Kaguma breaks it up. So time's running out. You're at 14 minutes and 55 seconds. Hameka gets her up in the corner, does the running diving power bomb, the one in the uh, concussing uh, Julia last year in the Grand Prix, and <laughs> as she pins, one, two, clang, clang, clang. <laughs> It was the best. So that is a going to a draw. And uh it was it was a really good match. I had I probably ended up giving like three and three quarters. This is a really good match for, for 15 minutes and like I want to see more of them. Uh and it, it, obviously they're not in the tag league together, but I think the Kaguma Mayu tag team would have been really good. Yeah, man. Um Yeah, I, I this is the one match I didn't see. You, you should go back and watch on it. The show. Like it. Yeah, I, I saw the um the draw and the results and i'm just like i was already deflated by the one draw uh that have or the double count out mm-hmm. you know still draws like they did these bad to bad god yeah. damn rossi like at least it's not the main event like i understand why they okay so i it's a protection thing given that okay so after this match well you know why they're protecting Kaguma. You know why they're and I, yeah. I know why they're going to protect Hameka. Um, I know all four of these people are protected. I would say book a different match. It's a really good match, but book a different match if like to avoid doing back to back. I'm trying draws. to see somebody get beat up raw. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So um, next match after that, high speed belt match between Starlight Kid and Momo. Um, match starts like hey. <laughs> this was raw. Yeah, really good match. Um, this probably is their best match, and it ended in the in the countout. Is I'm less mad at the countout uh, double countout victory because like it ended in a, such a heated manner that it's like you know you're going to get another match, um, and like now the stakes are kind of raised. Like um, you end up in this match where they're they're going back and forth with high speed stuff, and Momo hasn't really done this high speed stuff in a minute. And but she looks really good at it for someone that's like it's in her bag, but she never ever uses that muscle. Um, and they end up outside the ring at, after a certain amount of time, and um, Oedo Tai starts cheating, and um, they end up clearing out Kamatani, who's cornering for Momo, and they get a chair, and uh, <sighs> Starlight Kick is a bag of salt. And she reaches in the bag and she throws a, a fistful of the salt into it at Momo. And from from that point in time, Momo hulks up and she's fucking super Momo. Like she is like she is flashback to 2018 when she was the, the ace in training. And she she uh head kicks uh sort of like his head off. She beats the living shit out of like the other four members of the Wu-Tang of Oedo Tai. She clears them all out by herself. She doesn't need Kamatani, that geek that didn't give her no help anyway. I got her, I got Starlight Kid and these other four fuckers. And she kicks shit out of all of them. And then she's and she, she's so pissed she got uh so apparently in Japan it's an insult to throw salt at people or or the or the term uh or salty yes. or show pie, whatever, I can't remember. But she, but Mr. Momo, once she got hit with that. that shit, she was furious. And, um, 
And then she starts tearing at, at uh, Starlight Kid's mask. And then, like, once she tears at the mask, Starlight Kid gets hot. And they start brawling back and forth and grabbing each other by the hair and the, and the mask and tearing each other's hair and, and mask. And then by that point in time, the ref starts goes to 20 count and they're on the floor and it went nuts. But, like, this was a good-ass match in the ring. And then it got even more heated once it got outside the ring and escalated and all that kind of stuff. And it was it was damn good for a 11-minute and something match. Um, yeah, like, so they're going to wrestle again. And it's going to be fun as hell. And, like, it looks like you have a a mid-card feud in stardom, something that people claim doesn't happen. Yeah, very well-worked match. Um, heated at times. Of course, it, it continued in the post-match angle where my, Momo said, or Starlight Kid said, you've been eclipsed in your own unit. Um, why don't you just come join Odeo High? Basically, why don't you come start selling my package? You know, <laughs> why don't you come on this block? You know, Starlight Kid with all the disrespect. Uh, yeah. Momo says, you're weird. I'm never joining your unit. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, I, I, you know, I understand the finish, but uh, yeah, I was, I thought we, we was going to see somebody get, get the dub, but guess not. Uh, but yeah, I like the match a lot. It's funny seeing Momo tap into her, um, you angry know, Momo, killer her, Momo. her anger, and then also the high speed Momo at, at, yeah. at the beginning because it's just like, all right, they doing these, these couple little spots, and then they about to fucking throw down. Yeah. Uh. So. I, I wonder. What, oh yeah. So after this, after um, they end up back in the ring and they they're yelling at each other. Um, all the stuff you just mentioned. Um, Momo leaves the ring, and then Kaguma comes in, uh, fresh off of not getting beaten. Uh, Fresh after not getting beaten and, say, and saying, "I want, I want a shot at the high speed title." Um, and Kid says, "I've been waiting for you." And like you know, next paper for you, I'm going to go bear hunting. Uh, tiger versus bear. Yes, tiger versus bear. So um, can't wait to see that match. That's going to be fun. Like they had a match in, uh, they were all in the same red block. Like Momo, Kid, and um, Kaguma, they all had good match with each other. So, um, really good match with each other. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, so, next match after that, the SWA slash five-star Grand Prix briefcase match between Shuri and Azumi. Um, and Shuri and Azumi did Shuri and Azumi-like things to each other. I think this is their fourth match. And, like, it's crazy how, like, all their matches, like, hit at the same spot. Where, like, they're all great matches. They're all kind of work the same and like the whole idea more or less is like for every one hit that Shuri hits, Azumi is going to hit like three hits or, or three or four hits uh, to show like the size difference, the strength difference, the technique difference. Um, but like once it gets into once once Azumi gets going, um, it's hard to stop her. The only thing to stop her seems to be Azumi, seems to be Shuri's feet. Um and like this was a this was a great match. Like they ended up um, getting outside the ring really early, um, and Azumi goes for a PK on the apron, and Shuri catches it, stops her, and drags her down. And uh, Azumi ends up hitting the apron with her head on the way down, getting dragged down. So then Shuri tries to get her back into the ring to go back to mauling on her or to go to mauling on her, but Azumi t- turns it into a you know like a rolling flip around to a kick kind of like Sasha Banks does. And then, um, then she 
turn does like a, a sliding sliding into out apron hurricane her uh, apron to floor hurricane rod like she's Rey Mysterio. Um, so so Shuri's out. Azumi gets back in the ring, goes to a corner, and then does a triple dump a triple jump plancha. Uh, just so clean, so smooth. Uh, and obviously because of the size and strength difference, like there is no multiple catchers. It's just Shuri catching her. Um, and then from there they went off and did their thing with like. Um, Azumi, you know, double foot, diving double foot stomps, um, Shuri with, uh, head kicks and buzzsaw kicks and shotgun drop kicks into the corner and stuff. And it, it was another one of their matches. Like they, they're just great together. And like, it's crazy. I say this all the time. Like it's crazy to think that this woman just turned 19. This young woman just turned 19 more or less like a month ago. And like, she could do this kind of stuff at Anytime she wanted to, but they, they just, they keep her and start like kid. Like they just, you know, like they just, yeah, I got the mozzie and I got the, you know, and I got the Lambo. I just got them just under the cloth in the garage. Like one day I'll, I'll, I'll fully crank this bitch up to, to 200, but we, we're good right now where they're at. Like, yeah. Azumi did a Canadian destroyer. Um, yes. And the match was pretty funny. I was like, man, did, did Adam Cole show her that? Like, <laughs> It looked just like his, like the speed on it and all that. Um, I like the last match that they had uh, together more. Mm-hmm. Um, the one in the Grand Prix. I thought that one was just like a blitz whirlwind. Yeah. yeah. This one, it didn't like, I didn't feel like Shuri was in any real trouble the whole match. Right. right personally. Right. And it was just like, she was just beating her down, she beating was- her down, beating her down. It felt like Azumi was hitting her with like a million things that, and nothing was actually going to put Shuri away as opposed to the match before where it was like, it makes more sense for the story that because Shuri is like the baddest woman on the planet that she's beating the shit out of Azumi and Azumi has to overcome. And like the problem that Shuri gets into with, with Azumi is that like once Shuri gets, once Azumi gets going, Shuri can't catch her all the time. Uh, so like, and somehow she ended up getting caught in the, in the Grand Prix. This match is like, Azumi is just too fast for Shuri to ever get her hand on her. And the few times she ever hits her, she basically like knocking, knocking a bird out of the sky. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, from that, from that perspective, I think the story makes more sense do the, the last match in this one, but I still thought it was an excellent match. Yeah. Then we got, um, the, the wonder stardom title match. Tam Nakano against Unagi, or I'm going to start calling her Unagi. Like, you know, they called her U-Manga. Um, so, first, I want to draw attention to the weapons both of these women came out with. I was like, oh, my God, Unagi has come to stab her. And then Tam came out with the big stick. Uh, in order to fight. <laughs> you got you to you gotta figure out what it is, but you can't just say come out with the big stick. What's wrong with you? <laughs> You know, she came. Was, out. Can we say it's a, it's some it's a it's like a it's some type of souped up spear. Like, like <laughs> she came out looking like she was ready for joust or something like. Yeah, or the lancer, like the, you know, like on the horse. Deal. Like yeah. she looked like Morgan from um what the Walking Dead. You know, hitting people with the stick. You know, <laughs> or hitting the uh he the, so he refused to like shoot the walkers or anything like that. Uh-huh. It was weird this whole thing. So he had like this wooden stick. And would like just jab him in the eye or the head or something like that, mm-hmm. and then they, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, so I uh, I thought Unagi's gear was great. I, yes. I, I I loved it, and um, I thought this was a pretty good match. Like I didn't think it was super, 
But no, um, super ranch at all. I I would probably say like maybe like three and a three and three quarters maybe. That's what uh, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, but they fought. This and, and they did some big moves to each other. It was like oh, um man. the like it felt like it was like all right we're gonna all we're gonna both do all our moves to each other. But at the end you have your one big move and then I have my one big move and then. Tam kicked out of hers, and she was like, "Well, I ain't got nothing left." And then, <laughs> and then Tam well, hit her well, big she, move, and it was well, over. She had one idea, but it was like, "Oh, that's preposterous! You're never doing that." Yeah. Like, uh, okay, so okay, does her does Unagi's move look more like last in? Because I always mix them up. Uh, last of the Dragon or Made in Japan? Which ones that look more like? I think it looks like Last of the or Made in Japan. Okay, yeah. So when I saw it, I was like, "It's like a double underhook Made in Japan." Right. Yeah. So um now when they wrestle each other in the Grand Prix, my or say Mayu, uh Tam basically it's like a seven minute match and Tam whooped her ass for like five minutes uh, of it and ultimately at the end of it, um Unagi survived the, the onslaught and then s- caught Tam with that move with, with a double on her hook, uh made in Japan and dropped on dropped Tam on her head and neck and uh and pinned her. Uh that was the first night of the Grand Prix. So that's how she got a title shot. Um, so get to this match, and they start off with Matt wrestling, and it's a lot better than I thought it'd be. Uh, and ultimately, Tam ends up winning, and then Tam proceeds to beat shit out of for like for like five minutes. Uh, so her up. yeah, uh, Tam playing for keys. Like, look, I understand you're my young girl and all that kind of stuff, but like, I'll kill you over this white belt. Don't you play with me? <laughs> Don't you ever forget that shit. So, in uh, I don't know if you watched the, pre- the post match, but we'll get to it. Um, so, yes. uh, I found out about this, but uh, on the go home show to this show on the tag league because it wasn't up yet, they did a white belt challenger and red belt challenger Hazuki versus Unagi match. They went obviously went to a time limit draw, and in that, and I saw a highlight of Unagi using a. Blade Runner slash Sister Abigail. I was like, huh, that's interesting. That so, shit like it hurt. And she did one that was a hanging one off here, the ropes, too. Here we go. So, um, Tam is whooping her ass and so bad to where, like, in, like, the first five minutes, four minutes, whatever it was in the match, like, Tam gets a cover on Unagi and literally, like, lip, lifts up her up off, off the counter like she's fucking, like, King Kong Bundy if it's a jobber. I'm like, what is this? Like, <laughs> you want to kill this woman? So, um, Tam goes to probably give her a, a bicycle knee and, um, runs off the opposite corner, comes back, opposite ropes and comes back for probably a bicycle knee. Uh, Unagi lifts her up and gives her a, uh, was it a flapjack? A flapjack into the, and necks her on the, 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 the top rope. So Tam's selling her neck and she then is basically underneath the bottom rope hanging over the apron. So Unagi gets out the ring and then does the fucking elevated, Blade Runner onto the floor from the apron and like in real time I could not tell whether or not Tam's forehead missed the mat and it hit the floor or not like the raw floor so I'm just like whoa what is this so from there Tam is selling her neck and then um, Unagi is constantly working over her neck with like kicks to the neck axe kicks in the neck uh, the uh, the Atomic leg drop to the back of the neck. And um, then Unagi ends up on the top rope. Tam gets up and slap her and gets up and on the middle rope and slaps her. And then there's a, and then there's a slap fest. 
and then Tam or slap exchange and then Tam wins the slap exchange and then slaps her just over and over and over almost like she's Julie at the end of the Budokan match uh so then they change the camera angle and you see like Unagi head lift up and you see blood running from her mouth and it's like that's a really good shot so next thing you know man <laughs> Unagi grabs both sides of fucking uh, Tam's head and clunking and gives the shoot clunk head butts to, to Tam. Tam almost falls off the ropes, but she stays on. She powers back up and then she returns with her own fucking clunking head butt. Uh, that you can just hear just like the thud is just gross. Uh, so then, um, Unagi's basically slumped over the front of the, of the, uh, turnbuckle. So then Tam, who's still up top, still on top on the ropes, gives an axe kick. Uh, over to the back of her head. Unagi melts to the floor. Uh, Nintam gives her a crossbody onto the floor. And then they get back into the ring and more or less, like, that's when they start trading stuff back and forth. But ultimately, like, it leads to, um, more, working more on Tam's neck. Unagi goes for, uh, her Made in Japan, uh, double on her Made in Japan. She fights it off. Uh, throughout the rest of the match, Unagi ends up getting, um, an elevated, um, uh, Blade Runner for near fall. Then she ends up getting a uh, uh, escaping, being finished by uh, hitting a Blade Runner, and then she goes and she actually finally hits the um, the move, um, the double under hook, uh, Man Japan, and uh, Tam kicks, and then uh, from there Tam escapes with a, like, like a German suplex, and then she hits her with like. Uh, black mask kick, head kick, uh, V trigger or bicycle knee, and then gets mm-hmm. her up and hits her with the uh, tiger suplex, and then um, also the uh, her twilight dream suplex. In the middle of this match, also uh, there was a spot where they were working the neck where um, while she's while Nike's working Tam's neck, she ends up hitting a uh, she ends up getting a stretch plum, um, and Tam scrambles to the ropes. And then, like, as she tries to go for another, uh, goes for that double underhook move, um, Tam escapes and then hits a tiger driver, giving you some real 90s all Japan wrestling. <laughs> so, yeah, like, like I said, like, it, I think if this match was paced better, it could get to four stars, but, um, it, it was a slow pace, but, like, the pace was to idiot proof the match to make sure that Unaga's gonna be there for everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought, um, for, as a performance for Unagi, I thought it was her best match I've ever seen her have in a singles capacity. Um, this is a match that I didn't, I didn't, if you had told me a year ago, uh, she could do, I would have been like, ain't no fucking way, boy. <laughs> ain't no fucking way. But she was able to do it. It's a really good match. And, um, after the match, Tam says, like, Unagi, like, you're going to have to have a lot more pain, a lot more tears, a lot more, a lot, um, and a lot more blood to get this white belt. Um, but you made amazing progress and I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, you, you believed in me to, to get to this point with, with you. And then like they hugged and everything. And then Tam asked for, and you can, Unagi starts crying. Like Tam actually reached, reached in for, to give her a hot handshake and then, and then Unagi hugged her instead. So, uh, and after I embarrass Unagi, I'm going to shake her hand. <laughs> yeah. So Tam asked like, all right, well, who's the next challenger? So then Mina just stands up and says, it's me. me. Yes. <laughs> it's me. Me, uh, Minister How about right, that? Right. So uh, Tam said, "Yeah, let's do it." So they're going to wrestle at uh, the Tokyo Super Wars on um, November twenty seventh. 
And like that match is gonna be better than this one because I mean it's better than Unagi. Um, so yeah, like like I, like I mentioned earlier, like after she lost the Future Belt, she wanted a match with Tam for the White Belt. She uh, she's been protected on big shows. Like in looking back at it, when uh, Tam got pinned um, in the first night of Tag League, instead of Mina uh, against. Uh, Against Micah and Shuri, I was wondering, like, how come Tam took that pin? Why not Mina? Well, that was why. They were protecting a future challenger, so. In the end, the booking makes sense. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, like I said, um, three and three quarters. Very good match. Um, there were some people I saw online thought that, like, this match was better than the Mayu match. And I was like, I get what you're trying to say because of expectations, but no fucking way. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, by the way, that Mayu Tam match from Osaka Johal, the rare match that has a better rating on grapple than cage match. It lets you know that people on cage match are really punishing that match. Um, something, something strange going on there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, then the main event, we talked about it a little bit before, but yeah, man, like, Hazuki and, and Utami, like, this match starts out with, like, Utami... They start mat wrestling and then eventually, like Tommy says, enough of this shit and overpowers oh, her. Yeah, starts kicking, shit, start starts kicking the shit out of her. So then, like, Hazuki's a bait face in peril and the whole match builds towards her eventually fighting back and they go they end up going toe to toe with forearms. She wins the forearm exchange. Um, then there's, then there's, they get to the near falls and, uh, like, Hazuki ends up getting to a point where, like, uh, they, she's finished. She's done, more or less. It seems like she's done. And Utami gets her up for uh, the Black Tiger Bomb with all the spins. And at the top of the spin, when she wants, she, when she finishes spinning, she gets her up like she's about to drop her. And Azuki comes off and hits a Canadian, or sorry, a Code Red for near fall. And then immediately, and after the kick out, uh, follows up with the Hazuki straw and gets the kick. And, and uh, Utami kicks at two. She kicked at three, but whatever. We'll roll with it. She kicked at three, but she rolled with it. Um, the crowd was into it. And, uh, yeah, like, Hazuki, then from there, like, she ends up, uh, I think she, I can't remember if it was before or after, but, like, she also also got a, a great near fall off of, um, a couple fall, or sit out, um, <clears throat> body slams, and then her brain buster that she uses as a finish now. Um, yeah, like, it was just a great match, and, like, they, they basically emptied the gun after, uh, the, they started fighting back, or, Hazuki fired up to fire back at her with in that forearm exchange, and it's a great match. And I think it's the best. I think it's the second best uh, Hazuki singles match I've ever seen. The first, the best match I still think is the match with Arissa, um, but uh, from 2019 to think that I believe that's July 24th, 2019. Yeah, that was that was really great too. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about so, that. Yeah, that was her. That was uh, Arissa's second defense. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, man, this was this. Like, probably four and a quarter for me. I, I can see some people thinking four and a half, but I was going with four and a quarter. I really enjoyed this match. Um, and like, Hazuki. I was, uh, I was in the middle. Like, that yeah, four that, and that a quarter. Yeah, yeah, that, that four point three. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I get you. I get it. Uh, so, um, I want to say after the match, the note, like, how ridiculous Hazuki is, um, she announced she was coming back. On August 29th, her first match was Osaka Joe Hall uh, on the 3rd of October. This is uh, this is uh, <clears throat> November 3rd. Like, 
this is her first like she's been back for a month after being done for like nearly two years and she has a match like that and he's like jesus fucking christ she's 20 she just turned 24 super like she had to come out to bodega and and remind us yeah like super talented another another big gun in the uh in in the stable for uh for stardom and um her outlook is so much brighter now than it was when she was wrapping it up um in 2019 so i'm glad she's back and like i could i totally see her being a future white belt champion or red belt champion um we'll see how this goes though uh so uh, after the match, um, Mutami knows that, you know, you may, you've only been back for a month, but stardom has changed since you've been going, having you, hasn't it? And Hazuki says, like, you've gotten so much stronger and, like, congrats to you. And, you know, uh, uh, it, and then, uh, after that, she leaves and then Utami comes out or Utami calls for Micah to come out and their match, they're gonna have a rematch. Um, or they're gonna have another red belt match because they were on the j- January. And, or anniversary show, so they're going to wrestle at for the red belt on at Tokyo Super Wars um, on the twenty seventh. So that looks like a pretty good card. Um, but yeah, uh, trying to think what else. Oh, that card is actually out now. Yeah, uh, the Tokyo uh, Cyber, Tokyo Cyber Wars, the Tokyo uh, Super Wars. Um, they have the opening match will be uh future match Raka versus uh Mai in Waka. Thought you were gonna say Waka. Uh I was in I was mid yawn. <laughs> okay. So then you have a tag match of Momo Oz, Momo Inazumi versus Unagi and Lady C. Uh then you have a trios match stars. Momo, not Momo, uh, Mayu, Hannon, and new addition to stars, Hazuki, over the weekend. Um, she's now a star. So, like, I know you said that if she started her own fashion, you would call it the real stardom, but seeing that, like, everybody in stars is actually really from the stardom dojo, can we call stars the real stardom? Um, oh, it's, it's no. your discretion. It's your joke. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, okay. it's like, like, the real stardom needs to have, like, <laughs> Like I can't like have Mayu like who is like the establishment like okay. the establishment in you, know? <laughs> you know I can't have Mayu reference like that's like having John Cena like the real WWE like John Cena oh, like no nah, man. man I'm not I'm not putting that on Fair Mayu enough. like like I needed uh, Hazuki to kind of be like this outlaw unit kind of like <laughs> hey we ain't going for none of that fuck shit like that don't exactly strike Mayu to me like we ain't going for that fuck shit <laughs> okay uh so uh it is uh Mayu Hazuki and Hannon versus uh Saki maybe hold on maybe she can start a subgroup within stars the real star <laughs> you know hey man uh I don't I don't know if she heard but like she Mayu don't really take too kind to subunits and stars like it, it's been a running gag like okay back 2018 right remember how Jungle was a faction leader in uh in John well, John was originally in Stars, and then like the 2018 draft happened. She was drafting, and she was like, and she didn't draft nobody from John. She was like, oh, that is a given. They in Stars, and then like John was like, you ain't draft us, okay? Fuck you. We're sort of fashion. So, so, and then like, look what happened with uh, uh, with Cosmic Angels. Like, 
it, it don't go too well when it comes to sub subunits inside. Like you can't have no label inside the label when it comes to stars. <laughs> Shit go left every time. So yeah, same property dipset. Yeah, know. yeah, it can't be. Yeah, yeah, no more slashes in the in, you know in the album. You know in the in the yeah. song in the uh, what is it called like uh, in the credits. No no yeah. slashes, just one. Uh, so anyway, you are assigned to Stars Records. <laughs> yes. There will be no imprint deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that tech that tri- uh, that trios match is uh, Momo. I keep saying Momo. Mayu, Hazuki, and Hannon versus uh, Saki, Death, and Rina. Um, then uh, a triple threat match: Kamatani Nasapoi, Kamatani versus Nasapoi versus Hameka for number one contendership for the white belt. So that ought to be really good. Um, uh, then a high speed match, Starlight Kid versus Kaguma. The uh, SWA slash Grand Prix briefcase match. The UWF rules match is back on the table. Shuri versus, versus uh, Konami. Um, hopefully, Konami will have her win and everything, and she's uh, she's okay because it's been reannounced. So um, hopefully, she'll you know she's helping us to do it. Uh, I expect a great match between them in uh, this UWF thing. Uh, then uh, white belt match: Tam versus Mina, and the main event: Utami versus Micah. Um, another good card. Another good yeah. card. Um, I don't know what to say. Another good card. Uh, this is, I think there'll be a better pay per view than this one uh, that we just covered. So yeah. Um, yeah so man. that's more or less. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch the uh, press conference that was for today for the. Uh, Tokyo Super Wars, but it is what it is. Uh, we'll get to it when we get to it. They did announce uh, Shingo and Okada for January 4th. Um, it's official now. So a, there was a translated interview that went up uh, on it. Okada sounds aloof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Like, I don't know. Like, it's a whole... I don't know. I But... It's on the people to decide. Um, should well, be a great match, obviously, but yeah, you know, yeah, they've they've done it two times this year, so yeah. Um, they well, I, they also did it the first time. They weren't expecting it, like it was going to be in like we need to do this for the title. <laughs> we we never have to do this for the title for the dome shows. Um, yeah, like uh, also World Tag League and um and best of back. Yeah, Naito's back uh, in the Best Super Junior slash World Tag League things uh, all got announced recently. Um, I saw the bracket for um, Best Super Juniors and like, I can't wait to see Desperado versus Hiromu. Can't wait for it. Run it back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that's the gist of it. Like, I feel like I'm going to catch up on a lot of New Japan like in the next couple of weeks. Like, I can't believe it how much New Japan I didn't watch. Like, just from a, just from a, you know they got the good matches type of thing. Like, regardless of their booking, regardless of roster place, regardless of how many matchups they've already done before, whatever else, like, you know they got the matches. They got more matches than anyone. Um, are really good, or great matches than anyone this year still. And, like, I can't believe that like, I kind of just fell off on them, like, wholesale. So, I'm just gonna catch them up and see where we go from there uh, during this, like, re- review or of the year in portion of this year. Cause like, 
After Survivor <sighs> Series. Yeah, man. No, no I, December review for, for, um, for yeah, uh, WWE? Full gear. Like, I, I guess what, I'll, I have a chance to get to work early and try to start putting these uh, award uh, categories together. We'll have to do the cutdown show. Probably is a Twitch exclusive if you guys want to watch. Because, uh, like, kind of as an unspoken tradition, we, we, we don't put the cut out as a podcast. It's like you got to kind of hear it somewhere else. Yeah. And I think it's a little cooler that way. But, um, yeah. But besides that, yeah, there's crazy shit going on in the NBA. Um, Steph Curry dropped 50. And, Tonight? And like in 35 minutes, yeah, against the Hawks. Damn. Um, and Jokic, like, laid one of the Morris brothers the fuck out for giving him a bow. Oh, um, he, I, I sent you the video like on Twitter, like, uh, so like, he's like, Joe is just dribbling up court he's about halfway up to the half court line. But, uh, one of Moore's brothers comes up, the one that plays for the heat, mm-hmm. um, he kind of shoots him a ball on the inside as he's getting rid of the pass. And then Joe is like, I had enough of this shit. And then he runs at him while Morris's bag is turned and like shoulder checks him or whatever. And Morris goes fucking flying and like uh, wrenching on the ground in pain and all that shit. It, it was ugly. Like, it, like, wow. Yeah. Uh, Joe is putting, putting dudes on the ass. Like forget how big he is. Yeah. Playing yeah. With him. Yeah. Like, Look, and you know they, they got them Jokish brothers running around. Yeah. I was going to point that out. Like that man, that man, I think is this the youngest, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, like that man knows how to fight. <laughs> like most of the, most man. dudes that size don't know how to fight. He knows how to fight. Yeah, yeah. Dylan says joke is for the tough white man league. That might be. Yeah, like there's something to be said about them uh, about about our European whites. They uh, they they are not shooketh. They are uh, not shooketh. It's not a game. Yeah, you know. like so. some of them, some of them from the country Civil War, Civil Wars, like they've seen some shit. They ain't like you, like you know, they they from the hood too. <laughs> you just don't <laughs> describe it as the hood, bitch. <laughs> oh you know, man! But yeah, I, I guess that's a great place to uh, leave it this week. So everyone that joined us on Twitch, appreciate you guys doing that. Stick around for the post show. Uh, I don't know how much we'll we'll go, but I'm, I'm gonna of course check on the timeline to see what foolishness uh, was going on around us. Uh, if you'd like to join the Twitch streams, check it out in the link in the show uh, notes and drop your donations off. Get you some merch as I'm wearing the One Nation Radio shirt. Like if you don't have a One Nation Radio shirt, like this is like a perfect shirt. Like you got your uh, pyramid right there, so everybody knows that you know um, you are truly woke. You know, um, <laughs> James has this look, you know, you know, for, for the inner Kyrie in you, you know, not even uh, that. Just like we can't even say woke no more because like that it's been adopted. Is, yeah, you know. that shit's been co-opted by by the enemy, if you will, um, and turned into something that absolutely never was. It's like, great. Like they coming for the for even the I can't even get it off the right way no more. Like we had that we had to do what we normally do as people create some new shit. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But yeah, always remember, um, you know, y'all, yeah, y'all, y'all learn from One Nation Radio. You know, 
that, that that's out there. Like we know y'all, y'all been listening for years and years. You know, don't don't forget. You know, it's right here. You know, O and R. You know, you know people on people on Twitter. You know, it's it's for you know I got I got into some um some some funny stuff uh, throughout the week. Just a, an entire timeline of comedy. Uh, just go through the tweets. You'll see it. It's funny. Um, but yeah, O and R is where it's at. Always remember that. All right, so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll put. The, I think I have a link in the description in uh, for the Twitch. If not, I'll put one in now. Um, yeah. yeah, go to our Red Circle and drop us off a donation. Uh, go to prowrestlingtees.com uh, slash social suplex and pick up some official social suplex merch, like Rich said, like the One Nation shirt, uh, One Nation and Radio shirt he's wearing, and let's say other shows on network. Uh, besides Wendy's Radio, keeping a strong style, uh, the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show, Roman Wash's shit, 8 bit suplex, the grave consequences, um, all things elite, great match generator, and Sam's podcast. What is Sam's podcast name? Because I always forget it. The AEW Match Generator. The should AEW be a- Match Generator. Or, excuse me, the AEW Match Review Podcast, I believe. I'm going to have to write that and remember that. That is too generic for me to remember, and I will. it will take me like five times. So I'm going to write it down next time. Oh. My bad, Sam. Apparently, Jimmy Butler had words for Nikola Jokic after. So, yeah. this That's is nice. Me. He this didn't have it. hands for him. <laughs> I bet that. He, he did <laughs> he not. He didn't have hands for him. Yeah. He did not. He looks like it looks like there's a lot of distance between these men as Jimmy is. Yeah. Uh, and, like, that's not no shade at Jimmy. Like, Jimmy a tough dude. I'm just saying, like, let's let you know. <laughs> Joker, Joker Wait, ain't no you- joke. Look, UD is up yelling. Man, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot going on. I'm gonna have, yeah. to, I'm gonna have to consult with our resident Miami Heat fan. Oh friends man, and oh, ask man. what's going on. I, I'm, gonna tell, I'm about to start trouble. So Joker's made all the niggas look soft. Oh man, here you go. All right, lady, y'all, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>